Still no word on the whereabouts of your son's fiance. Sorry, Jonah. It's all my fault. I drove Spider-Man away. He was the only one who could have stopped Octavius. Yes. Spider-Man was a hero. I just couldn't see it. He was a, a thief! A criminal! He stole my suit! He's a menace to the entire city! I want that ball-crawling arachnid prosecuted! I want him strung up by his web! I want Spider-Man! Do you expect me to talk? Do you expect us to talk? I'm Becca, and as always, joined by my fellow Spidey co-hosts, Chris and Dave. How are you both, gentlemen? Good evening, folks. I'm currently brushing up on Shakespeare, thank you very much, just to uh, impress mm, the We're reading poetry, have we? Yes, because uh, that, that gets the ladies nowadays, so I hear. Oh, their knickers fall off if you read it like <laughs> Especially when you randomly read it desperately, when it's like... You know, which and she's like just got engaged and shit. It's yeah, yeah but I've read some poetry. All oh, right, Keats, <laughs> Longfellow, anything like that. Cancel the girls go that. wild. There's some logical fallacies in all of that, to be honest. But we'll get to it. Uh, Spider-Man Two. Um, yes, can't wait. First film grossed in the eight hundred millions, uh, as is often the case with like best the best sequel in a franchise. This is the lowest grossing of the three. Uh, Which is odd, really, because, I mean... Prisoner of Azkaban's, like, the lowest Harry Potter grosser as well. You know, it's that sort of thing. It's it's odd, because I remember when this came out, uh, it was a summer where there there seemed to be nothing on. This was, like, the main... Like, the only big Hollywood mainstream film out. I mean, they had a few releases. Van Helsing, Chris! Well, yeah, yeah, they just had, like, a series of just, like... Of like of films that no one gave a shit about. I mean, I think I maybe iRobot was this year. I yeah, think it was. It was. Oh gosh, um, yeah, that was a film. But that was, I think that was late end of August. But yeah, we had like King Arthur, which didn't sort. Which, of... which was that two thousand and four? I always thought it was the following year. I think you're right. Actually, King Arthur is re- is well. Firstly, you got the world's most boring voice in it with Clive Warren, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> But secondly, uh, the film itself is really dull. It's really, really boring. I, I watched it for a podcast a couple of years ago. I watched several like Arthurian-type mm. films, including the um, uh, Guy Ritchie version, and it was just a miserable time, all of it. Excalib- Excalibur had a sort of campy charm to it, but that was about it. 
um, they were all pretty shit, to be fair. It's such a shame, because it's like that kind of story, you know. I think it deserves to have, like, a big screen epic, you know, yeah. film made about it. But, like, the ones that we've had have just been boring. Well, I mean, I can't think of a worse mix of man and material. No. Uh, uh, than Guy Ritchie to, to that type of film. I mean, obviously, I could name some really silly comedy directors or something, but of the people you'd expect. Okay, this film, this year you had, um, looking at the highest grossing films of 2004, Spider-Man was third. The aforementioned uh, Prisoner of Azkaban was second. Shrek 2 won the year, which tells you something. That tells you Just, something, yeah. There was an interesting the, year for movies. Some of the, some of the films below um, Spider-Man 2. Incredibles, good film, but again, it had the Pixar name on it, but it was an original property, so that appearing in fourth tells you something. Fifth was The Passion of the Christ. Oh gosh, yeah, that was a big Easter release, wasn't it? Which is just basically two hours of Jesus getting the ever-living shit kicked out of him. <laughs> you know the story. Um, and, and nothing more than that. Yeah, it's you like, got Ocean's 12, that summer film. Uh, Ocean's 12 was this year. The Day After Tomorrow, which was Roland Emmerich, crap film, but there you Collateral, go. which is, uh, that was alright, but I'm not sure that, that was, was summer. Film. No, I, I'm just reading, I'm going through the highest grossing list. Most grossing films of that so year. So you got The Day After Tomorrow. In seventh place is Meet the Fockers. That tells you something. Oh, God. Uh, eighth, <laughs> uh, Wolfgang Peterson's Troy, which was such a disappointment because I loved the Iliad at school. I don't remember seeing that. Uh, it's Brad Pitt as uh, Achilles. And I've got a feeling Agamemnon is like Brian Cox or something. I yeah. saw it. It's the first film that introduced me to Diane Kruger because she plays Helen of Troy. Ah. Oh, um, okay. But the film takes real liberties with the story and just misses the point entirely. Um, I don't know if you could do the Iliad in a film, but if you could, this ain't the way to do it. You'd have to break it up, wouldn't you? I think. Um, Eric Banner played um, Hector, and that was almost perfect casting, because whenever I pictured him, he was very Eric Banner-like, but the rest of it was a bit iffy. Nine was Shark Tale, which was a very, very disappointing um, Will Smith, Robert De Niro animation mm. DreamWorks. And then, as Chris mentioned, uh, Ocean's Twelve. Uh, what else did we get this year? You got um, um, the Aviator, um, Ray, Jamie Fox film. That was brilliant. Uh, Million Walking Dollar Soul, Baby, Wimbledon. Oh Jesus! Wim- Wimbledon was terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, of the big grossing films, you, you, you're you're getting to the sort of films that wouldn't make the top ten in most years quite quickly, mm. which tells you it's a bit of an underperforming year, and I'm not quite sure why. Man of Fire as well is probably another notable um, mm. film to know. Um, and Shaun of the Dead, of course. Shaun of the Dead was 2004, but again, that, that was like, a, well, that was quite a small little indie film, mm. really. Um, they they grew in grosses as they went on, but Shaun of the Dead was not a massive grosser. It was successful. Mm. Um, and the first Saw film. Yeah. That was that October. And then it kind of sharply declined. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because I do remember Apropos of Nothing being out somewhere in 2006 and talking to someone who was looking forward to seeing Saw 3, and they were every year, so that would be right. Again, in isolation, I tend to think Saw is 2003, but by logic, it can't be. 
a couple of sort of slightly artier films from this year Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind that's a great film which I walked out of and threw up immediately I don't oh, know no. it, it had some deeply emotional effect on me oh, bless you, I Dave. didn't cry but I came up and threw up and I'm yeah, never no, quite sure not why. Nice, sideways a uh, little arty Alexander Payne film of um, oh, about the vineyards Paul Giamatti who we'll see in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Thomas uh Hayden Church was in next week. Hayden Church. Yeah, who actually will be in this next week's film. They they go sort of on a wine tasting Napa Valley sort of. Fucking Merlot. Fucking Merlot. Yeah, they they complain about Merlot, which is blasphemy in my my opinion. Makes you want to buy Um, the wine. They they were into Pinot Noir instead. A couple of misfires this year. Uh, Sky Captain of the World of Tomorrow. That might be the disappointment of the year because the art looked great, but it just. Terrible. It was, it was boring. I, it looked I, amazing. I don't think, judging by conversations I remember with people, I don't think I, I'd walked out of a film until about 2008. But my memory of Sky Captain is walking out of it, but I don't think I did. I, I must have just completely tuned out. I wouldn't be there telling people four years later, I've just walked out of a film for the first time, if, if I'd walked out of Sky Captain. But in my memory, it's like I didn't make it through it because it was so shit. Um, it was just, it was just an artistic. Endo- it was a. It was dull, basically. It was an art direction uh, project. That's all it was, really. A um, couple of other notable smaller films from this year. Fahrenheit 9/11 was this year. That was probably well. That was Michael Moore's most. That successful. was a very interesting film. Uh, Finding Neverland, which. Um, Johnny Depp and um, Kate Winslet. Yeah, Motorcycle Diaries. Uh, the Alfie remake. That was. Oh, that was bad. That was terrible. I remember going to see that because I yeah, was studying I'll... in America at the time and I was like, why did we see this film? It, it was tonally confused as well because it's quite dark in places. It was. This is it. Um, I sort of remember this happy go Kill Bill 2 as well. Kill Bill 2 came out around April. Yeah. Um, kept being delayed. We talked mm. about this a year or two ago, but that kept being delayed because he, he just couldn't get the score as he wanted it because um, it was supposed to come out in February originally. So, yeah, um, t- coming back to the point that The Amazing Spider-Man f- f- uh, 2 took about, without looking at the first one again, I think it took circa 50 million less than the first one, which is a surprise mm. because it's no... It's no um, spoiler to say at this stage this is the best of the three. Do any of us disagree with that? Of the Raimi films? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just the Raimi films. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, we can argue about best ever later on. Um, I saw it on... Evil Dead. <laughs> I, 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 best of the Raimi Spider-Man films. Evil Dead, <laughs> Evil Dead 2's his best film. Evil Dead 2. That's what, yeah. that's what I'm going to say. Um, Evil Dead 2's his best film. Um, Although we mentioned last week that you'd see spider spider you'd see um work this week that would evoke stuff that he did in the evil dead films if you ever go and watch the extras on the evil dead films it tells you about all the sort of like homemade cheap ass ways he had to Mm -hmm. do to get dolly shots and things like that in the first film a woman's raped by a tree um but how it's done literally because you know he's on well, it's very anything really like you know necessity yeah. kind of breeds success really it's like you know yeah. if you've got to do it especially if you're on a limited budget like he was obviously not with these films um but you know that's, that's very often the way to do it and i think we'll see you know we'll get there but it's like the transformation I, scene it, and you can kind of tell how he you know puts various shots together 
watching this and being reminded of Evil Dead films, which I've not seen for years. In brief, Evil Dead Evil Dead was about 1981. Evil Dead 2 was something like 87. I might have that year wrong, but I'm, I'm, if it's wrong, it's not far wrong. And the funny thing is, it's sort of a sequel and a remake at the same time. In that the, sort of the first half of it almost remakes the first film, but it, it's sort of in the same continuity. It's really odd. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bruce Campbell. The second one is the sweet spot, a bit like this series, in that the first one is is more of a horror film. Evil Dead 2 balances comedy and horror better than any other film I can think of, with the exception of An American Werewolf in London where it's full-on horror film, full-on a comedy film, and doesn't sacrifice either of those things, whereas there are wryly comic moments in horror films. Sometimes you would probably say the Freddy films, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, and then you got the other end of the scale with things like um, Shaun of the Dead, where it's a comedy. It, it's got horrific moments in it, but it is a comedy. Evil Dead 2 is completely in this sweet spot of a batshit crazy film with, like, camera work to match... Uh, acting to match and just shot making to match and and thinking about those things in the last few days have really made me think that actually Sam Raimi might be perfect for the Doctor Strange sequel Um, Mm, by the time he gets to the medieval dead army of darkness firstly the film had two different endings and I know people that saw the two different endings depended on where they saw it um, which is apocryphal because I'm sure one was the alternate sort of home video take, but I have people swear blind because he, he, he ends up going back in time and fighting zombies in the past. And there's one version of the film where it ends with him back in the present and like having a bit of a showdown in the supermarket he works in. And there's another one. The, 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 the actual take I saw was where he has to take this potion and he takes a drop for every century he wants to sleep, and he miscounts the drops. Bruce Campbell's character Ash in this series is just having a very, very bad day. He yep. wakes up at the end having missed the end of the world. Oh. <laughs> and, um, it's legendary. It's brilliant. It's brilliant, but the film itself isn't brilliant. It, it, the Army of Darkness is, is too comedic, um, although there are funny little moments in it. Um, so Spider-Man 2 shows that, and I, I would say it shows it in two very obvious places. The birth of Doc Ock, or, or certainly the hospital scene. Oh, yeah. That is pure Sam Raimi. And in the very first trailer I saw to the film, it showed Spider-Man being dragged along the floor with his webs attached to the, the elevated train. Oh, gosh, and yeah. just about to get his balance to get up on his feet and stuff. And my first thought was, Sam Raimi's finally arrived in this series. Yeah, you can kind of tell. Do you know what I mean? Um, It's a very comic book in that there are shots in the film where you get background and foreground both in perfect focus. You don't tend to see that outside of comic book panels normally, although I have seen it since. Colour palette's a little lighter than the last film. Uh, Right the way down to his suit is a slightly lighter shade of red and Mary Jane's hair is full on ginger in this rather than yeah like she's actually red. she dyed it herself rather than wearing uh, a yeah, wig like I'm, she did last time yeah I'm not making fun of her at all just saying it, it is a, it's a, a good look it's a distinctively good look. lighter palette in it it's um, brighter isn't it it's more colourful and I, I, without going into what I think of the film first I suppose the only other thing I'd want to say is sort of a, an opening impression of this whole project was, was when the film started 
and we got the title sequence with all the sort of artwork of scenes from the first film. I just thought this film's really been made with some love. Uh, contrast that with when I went in to see Spider-Man 3 and it was a load of lazy fucking pictures of the cast. So th this is the one that feels like Sam Raimi's passion project. And it, it's the one where he's been entrusted with doing it properly. It's like the it's most like... Sam Raimi Spider-Man film, if that makes sense, yes. compared to the first and the third one. It really is. What do you guys think in terms of memories of the film, going to see it, all that kind of shit? Chris? Uh, I was going to say Becca first. But... I'll put you on the spot. <laughs> you, you heard a lot from me, so you can go next. Ah, oh, fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, at that time, uh, I think I liked it. Uh, but then there wasn't a lot going out. Uh, there wasn't a lot around at the time. It's it. it this it, was a disappointing year. Yeah, I mean, I I, 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 I think I like. I mean, it, it seems to be sort of banded around as like you know one of the greatest comic book movies of all time. And I've always kind of went along with it with a kind of with almost like sort of a faint sort of yeah, yeah I, I can understand it without really sort of really believing it myself. And I don't know, I've just kind of... I think now, as time's gone on, would you really class it as like one of the, the greatest... as the best adaptations of a comic book movie? I'm not entirely sure, though it is probably the better of the Raimi films, by far. So I'm a bit, I'm a bit unsure. It, it, it's, it, it's, it is certainly better. However, it's the, the problems that were with... that well, I had with the first film... Are still there and they're still there in spades, but it's better handled here, if that makes any sense. Uh, but well, I'll talk about more as we get as we get into it. But yeah, I think in terms of my, my thoughts, my, my, my I think that's really where I'm with it. It's like it it's a flawed trilogy in my opinion, but this is the better one. This is one of the better, more well crafted, full, more fully rounded. You know what I mean? It's more coherent as a as a piece. But again, I think the problems with it are like how Peter Parker's handled and just things like that. Um, but what do you guys think? I would pretty much agree, sadly. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I sort of remember, I think this is probably one of the high points from 2004. As, as you mentioned, Dave, just sort of looking at some other films that came out of the year. Obviously, like Shaun of the Dead was probably like the high point, like Layer Cake, uh, Bridget Jones. Oh, I forgot Layer Cake, but again, Layer um, Cake was quite a small film. It was it very led much to so. huge things for Daniel Craig, but very much now it's like, it's more of a cult classic. Sort of I only movie. saw it. I only saw it for the first time about four months ago. What? Yeah, no, I'd never got round to it. What? I've seen it now, though. Yeah. No, it definitely is. It's mm. it's one of those films where you, it's got a great cast, and you can you obviously you know what they've gone on to become. Um, yeah, also Shrek Two, obviously The Incredibles, as you mentioned. Um, Shrek Two is probably the best Shrek film, as I recall. Shrek yeah, 2 is probably the, probably the strongest of the Shrek films. Having yeah, only seen all of them like about the, one. the Shrek of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like the best of... Not great, mediocre, okay, satisfying year at, at the movies, really. Um, but yeah, no, I'd agree with you, David. It's pretty much it's like the most like Sam Raimi of, of these three Spider-Man films. Um, I, I think they kind of make a bit much of, of Peter Parker and... Um, no, you don't. 
um yeah it's, 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 some parts are kind of a bit too like too heavy-handed and perhaps not handled as you know as delicately enough um but for me i kind of i love all of those kind of like that transformation scene is, is really well done it's very creepy um as i say the colors are more poppy it's very bright very colorful palette definitely it is more comic book ish or it sort of looks like more of a comic book movie compared to the first and the third film um for me it's too long oh my gosh shave off half an hour and think, you're fine. I think the problem. I think also the main problem here is like um, I think like with the Marvel films they've got like proper set pieces that feel different. Whereas here it's just like fight Doc Ock again. Okay, then fight Doc Ock. That, that, that's what it kind of feels like. It feels yeah, it's just like isn't it? it feels like sort of the same. I mean, I suppose like the like uh, last week's a bit like that as well. It's just like right, okay, then he, he he fights Doc Ock in a different location this time, and you know grabs. Grab some, grab someone that Peter cares about, and then and and they and they say, you know, do you know what I mean? It's there's, there's no real like. Oh, I, I think that I think there are there's a couple of major things this film being so highly rated um, leans on, and I think the train scene is a lot of it. I think yeah, we, junk, we, it? we've seen it done pretty much as well in in the Wolverine since since then, and and other things. If I thought about it, I even did it in oh, but remind- the Incredibles. <laughs> I knew there was something else, but they they've done these sort of train fights since, uh, and I, I don't really count Skyfall because that's part of a multi-bit sort of. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a bit of a trope, isn't um, it? I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's kind of like it's a common theme. It's the a common trope. I recall the Wolverine did it really, really well. Um, the 2013 Japanese set Wolverine film mm-hmm. that had a big train sequence, and there's been one since, but I'm I'm absolutely blanking on what it is, and of course. Paddington too. Um, <laughs> That's to be expected, um, though. But I think it just stood out. There was some some excellent shots in it, the birth of Doc Ock and all the rest of it. And I think also, I get the impression in fandom, Doc Ock has a little bit more um, fan affection than even the Green Goblin did, and, and to see him come to life and played well. Um, I think he's a big Marvel fan as well, wasn't he? he was sort yeah. Of- you can uh, see that. Yeah. Known, known, and, and known he, for being a big fan of, of, of Marvel, especially Spider-Man. Yeah, and as I say, I just watched this film and I just thought, yeah, I can see you in Doctor doing Doctor Strange now. But um, I, I, I think it lent on that, and I think the critical acclaim for the film lent on a little bit of that, but also the attention that was paid to sort of the inner life of Peter Parker. Mm. You, you, there are so many scenes in this film where you can see what he's thinking and we're focusing on his difficulties. You alluded to that last week. We we see this this Peter Parker go through it a bit. Um, so I can see where the strengths lie. But the weak, the weaknesses are logic. I mean, there are so many logical fallacies in, in this film. Just we'll we'll come to them one by one. It's like, well, yeah, so what you really have to does, Ma- does Mary Jane know they're or not? Oh right, well she would have to, but there she's surprised. And hang on a minute, and 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 there's lots of that through this film. Uh, get Peter Parker's attention by throwing a fucking car at him. <laughs> um, I, oh yeah, I splattered him against the wall of the restaurant. Sorry, do you, do you have any other leads? <laughs> um, so um, there's they belabor scenes too much, but. but I, I mean, I don't know if Becca's right with half an hour. I don't know, but certainly. Well, for me, it just seems a bit too long. That's you all, could, but that, that's, that's just me. 
you could tighten it significantly. I mean, it gets even worse next week. I mean, there's there's a scene next week that I won't spoil here too much for people who either haven't seen it or want to come to what I say about it fresh. But there's a scene where May is talking to Peter. I think it's about how she was proposed to. And we're one level of detail away from, and then I scratched my bum and breathed in. <laughs> and then I breathed out and looked left. I mean, it's just belaboured horrendously. Uh, there are conversations in this film that does this. That It's like, you, you've got all the salient points across now. Move on. Um, he loses his powers. Well, I, I understand that there's a lot. And I think a lot of writers reporting on this film gave that almost too much credit in that they were wanted to sound smart by seeing a seeing a load of subtext in that and of course, yeah i think i think that's part of the problem you've got um, obviously it's you know writing is a collaborative some, process but, but because you do have I, many i books. think it is is the question i thought about this film maybe you know I, I could be cleared up on it but i thought the idea of him losing his powers was a little bit of a it, it, it kind of wants its cake and eat it. The, the, there's the idea of, of like him completely losing his ability powers when he needs them, and then there's that conflict. And there's the idea of him choosing to actually give it up, despite him actually still able to do it. Those are two different things, and I think sometimes I think they introduce both aspects to kind of give maybe Peter like a bit of an excuse to let him off the hook a little bit. It's like, well, I'm losing my powers, I might as well give up a little bit. And I think it kind of... You, you, I, you you lose you lose the kind of like the defendant. I'm giving it up. He gives up his powers effectively because he wants a normal life, which might include Mary Jane. Yeah. Um. But early in the film, she sort of makes a bit of a play for him. Fairly subtle by the standards of these films, and he blows <laughs> her out. And the next thing, he's reading poetry to impress her. And it's like, but you just turned her down. And yeah. then later on, he goes back to normal. She makes another play for him and he turns her down. And it's like everything seems to have to go through through the wash about four fucking times. And I use the number four deliberately because we get four different scenes of him losing his powers. It's overkill. So you could lose two of them. And, and you kind of with Mary Jane's like, Mary Jane, just fucking give it up. Why, why are you still... Yeah. Why are you still bothering with yeah, we, we We're not sold the relationship at all because he's still a creepy fucking weirdo. You know, she 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 marries, or she's about to marry Mr. Hunky fucking um, astronaut man. Yeah. And, you know, she kisses him upside down, which reminds her that she actually got more excitement from Spider-Man, who the film seems completely unsure whether she knows that's Peter or not. Because that tells you she does know, and at the end of the film, when he reveals himself, she is genuinely stunned. So that doesn't make any sense. Like I say, scenes get belaboured terribly. The whole Doc Ock thing is—he's—he's he's good in it, but they have a fight. Peter's enhanced. You know, he's super strong. He can hold a fuck. He can throw a car around and things like that. Doc Ock's arms can. His body can. If Spider-Man punched him, he'd fucking crush his face. So but you really aren't evenly matched, are they? they that doesn't really work. The whole May losing money stuff. Great. You know, you're trying to put a bit of meat on the bone of this family and the stakes. And you, Sam Raimi, and writers clearly care. 
you mind the emotional subject matter of this material so in which case i've got a fair amount of respect for what you've done here because this is not a cynical exercise it is the sequel to at this point the highest grossing superhero film of all time mm -hmm. uh at this point uh not unadjusted i wouldn't have thought i'm i'm, I'm i imagine certainly superman 78 unadjusted uh, you know if you adjusted would be higher but anyway and yet you you're interested in may and you're interested in but then they hedge their bets on where the May knows. And it's like, Peter can't afford an apartment. She can't afford a house. Why don't they pull their resources? Well, it makes no sense either way because Peter's like trying to fork out a, a, a money for an apartment in Manhattan where she lives in Queens. It, it makes no sense. It's like, you, you live near enough Manhattan anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, I didn't it, quite it, get that. It really makes no sense. And, why it, and, 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 if, it's, and if it's proximity to... Given how much it, it costs as well to actually exactly, try and get yeah. a place in Manhattan, it's like well, yeah. I mean, it's just absurd. It's just off the chart. Really anything we'd ever be able to afford. Um, Ridiculous. So, and you think, well, okay, if he's in Queens, is that a problem for him doing the Spidey stuff in downtown Manhattan? Well, he did it in the last film. Um, so, uh, it, I'm, I'm making it sound like it's a terrible film. It's not a terrible film. It's an overlauded film for. A good villain performance, although it's not as dark as the Green Goblin. There was a this dark... is one of those films where, kind of like, when you really um, start drilling down into it, you do have to. Obviously, it's you know it's fantasy very much, so comic book film. But it's like when you start drilling down problems. to it, you actually think, oh, actually, <laughs> it's got problems, and it's still. I think the headline for people who are starting to worry listening to this, who are big fans of it, is I think it's pretty good, and I think by the standards of the time. This and X2 were signs that the bar was being lifted. Yeah, X2 was such a smart, thoughtful film and better than, outside of the usual suspects, anything else Brian Singer's ever done or now ever likely to do for obvious reasons. But Alfred Bellina was great in it. He brought a humanity to it. He really the raised that bar, didn't he? I think he's the best thing in it, really, to be honest. One of the action sequences, and only one of the action sequences, if you don't count the hospital scene as an action sequence, is better than anything else in these three um and i think that's quite memorable but we get an awful lot of time with peter and peter is still annoying even if you <laughs> like toby Maguire, which i very obviously do not peter's a bit of a bellend really <laughs> and you care about him more than the audience do i think sam you know so we end up with him creepily chasing a woman and at the end of the film it's all like hooray they've got together and i'm thinking there's a bloke stood at an altar crying his fucking eyes out as we speak um so i just thought that was all a bit fucking tasteless to be honest with you so there's a lot wrong with this i think finally i would just say i think it was a year or two ago now i've always thought james franco came off as a bit of a sleazy fucking creep and then I read a bit about him a couple of years ago. It turns out he is, and I might well have been picking up on that. Um, he's a fucking asshole in this film. He's meant to be a bit of an asshole in this film, but from yeah, the he's meant to be anyway. But he's a, you yeah, know, he's but a he kid. is towards Peter. But when he's walking around and going on about the Nobel Prize and taking off flash sunglasses, I'm like, you're a prick. P if Peter was a decent human being, there's not a chance. Yeah, they wouldn't be friends. <laughs> um, I mean, the, no, this, I think this, that's the whole point, though. There's there's problems with the Harry thing as well because like. Yeah. Like how he seems to sort of like jump to like what one goes to sheer hatred. I mean, you, you think about in the last film, it's like, 
Well, you didn't, you didn't even though. like your dad, and now like you have like one brief moment of reconciliation, or like kind of like a bit. You, you get a bit down, and you go like, "Oh, I guess you were right, Dad." To like, I must avenge my father at all costs. I hate Spider Man. And at the end of so, the last film, you were clearly unhappy that Peter was clearly close to Spider Man one mm. way or another. But it wasn't the all out get drunk and slap him that it is in this film. Then at the then towards the end of the film, you've got him hearing the voices of the goblin. Well, that problem with Norman came from the, the serum. serum. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly. not genetic. This makes no fucking sense. So it's yeah, this idea that it's I mean a bit like I mean Superman nineteen seventy eight still stands up for me. I think it's a fantastic. I mean the effects have dated and stuff. I still think it's a lovely film. I still think it's a wonderfully atmospheric film. Partly the way it's shot, partly John Williams' score, but a bit like as much as I love two thirds of Superman nineteen seventy eight. We sat down and said the third act is a mess. You've got to take these films down off their pedestal and look what they really are. This is the superhero environment of the time beginning to raise the bar. But it's a significantly problematic film in places. But it's the best of the three. Yeah, yeah it's still my favourite of the three, definitely. And, it, and, it, and for everything I've just said, I, I enjoyed it. And I, I didn't love the first film. And I know damn well I'm not going to love the third one. Yeah, I think yeah, we're all going to be like, no, not a fan of that. It's still fairly well paced as well. Like I said the last week, it's still like, it's still watchable. It's still like sort of you know put together well that it that it that it flows. Scenes yeah. could have been tighter. But yeah, the flow of the film's pretty good. Oh yeah, no, it does still flow definitely. Um, but but if, I feel if, like it could be kind of chopped here and there and take off half an hour. And we will cover them one day. But if you were going to say, even if you're sat at Christmas two thousand and four saying this. No Batman Begins, nothing like that. If you sat here in, in 2004, well, here you wouldn't because this house didn't exist. I'd be floating in midair in the middle of a field. If you could have time travel and go uh, back to no, but 2004. If, if, even, if you, even if your memory didn't extend back before 2000. Even if you weren't born. X2 is better than this. X2 is a better film than this. Forget comic book faithfulness for a minute just talk about the logic of how you put a film together x2 is a more impactful thought through internally consistent film than spider-man 2 doesn't mean i like it more but it is yeah, yeah it sort of really depends on it isn't it because you can compare and contrast and obviously like within superhero films as well i mean you have to sort of compare and contrast sort of within universes anyway um but again you know very different films and it's just one of those things i find it quite difficult to do but it can be done um, we need to go back and, and yeah. revisit X2 as well. So looking forward to, you know, yeah. if we ever come across and do that series, looking forward to it for sure. I think Sam Raimi thinks we care more about the Mary Jane Peter relationship than most the average viewer does as well. It 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 is run for the mill to 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 the sheer point that I think by the time <laughs> we by the time the end where like you know she she does choose him miraculously, um, you know. Also, a bit shitty to do that on your wedding day, but hey ho. Yeah, um, I mean, we're supposed to be like, yay! And it's like some bloke is stood in a church crying as we speak. <laughs> People are, America's a big country as well. People have probably flown in for this fucking thing. Yeah, especially. Yeah. That ain't cheap. Yeah, the amount of money it would have, would have cost them. Well, you know, I think. Surely, and, and, and you imagine, surely Owen Park will be fired. It's like... Oh, what Eventually, you... he's going to find out, J. Jonah Jameson, that this like whiny little fucking brat that works for him is like the guy that caused his son all that heartbreak. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah. And we don't even get the uh, the satisfaction of him being a, a twat. Usually these films, like, it's either like, oh, the other guy's like a, like a bellend, so we don't feel sorry for him when... No, he's perfectly fine. Yeah. I mean, he's, a, he's a bit personal, colourless in the construct of this film because we don't get a lot of him. But we see that he's well-educated, well-decorated... Oh. Well dressed, I'm assuming fairly good looking. Certainly better looking than Toby fucking Harry Enfield <laughs> face Maguire. Uh, Christ, the scene where he's he's straining to keep that train in place. It, he, that doesn't look very good, does it? It's no, quite ungainly. No, his face seems to morph a little bit into whacking Phoenix, actually. But yeah, um, and we don't get a lot. We don't get a lot of his personality. We don't get a lot of his link to um, Mary Jane. But he is at least a decent guy. I think with the Parker as well, particularly the, the film does labour. Like I, I sound like I'm just whining about the film now, but uh, I, I've just noticed. But um, Doesn't matter. Um, but one of the things that I sort of I did notice is it's it's done well, but again it's just overkill. Like the how much Peter much. Parker plays up like as up that help that helpless guy that nothing goes wrong for him. You know what I mean? It's like. He, he, he tries to grab a drink and it's empty and or he just gets a la- you know someone picks the last hors d'oeuvre and he never seems to sort of and he's about to take a photo but by the time he takes the cover off the lens they've yeah, walked it, away it's just constantly stuff like that and you're thinking like it plays up the angle of like oh nothing seems to go right isn't and, it and kind they of make humorous. a real mistake they make a real mistake or they do for me anyway um, they do it again next week but his landlord's daughter my only thought whenever I see her is she's a better match for him. I thought that as well. But, and yet it goes nowhere as well. Like I'm sorry the, to say that, I completely forgot about her. The, and yeah, it's, it doesn't really it go does anywhere. It does go nowhere. It? I think they share cake next week or something. Yeah, I completely forgot about that storyline. And I was thinking, well, what was the point? I mean, she she's like, she's nice to him. And then she, she likes she, him. She, she's she, 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 yeah. offers, she offers him cake. And then that's pretty much it. That is, yeah, that's that's where it stops. All you've done is remind us that the main two in this film don't really have the right chemistry. Mm. Uh, no, it's a shame. Uh, I, think, I think they will in, in later iterations. When we go into... Oh, I mean, the Garfield films, the central relationship in that is terrific, whatever you think of the films. Um, but then they had a real-life relationship, didn't they? So there mm. was a natural chemistry. Yeah, there's a bit of a crossover there. That. I'm not going to insult Kirsten Dunst because I don't think she's bad at all. But like Emma Stone is a different level of talent to Kirsten Dunst, and I would say Andrew Garfield's a different level of talent to Tobey Maguire. But I'm aware I could belabor that point too much, so we'll we'll leave that for a minute. But um, Tobey Maguire was nearly replaced. That really lame joke where he falls, I think the third or fourth fucking time, his powers fail, and he's like, "Oh my back!" That's an in joke written in. Uh, joke. That was an in joke written in because he yeah he did have back problems. He, he injured his back in, uh, for Sea Biscuit, which he filmed before this. Um, and I I can't remember if he was demanding more money or what, but they it was partly they. He, they weren't sure he was going to be ready in time and partly I think they would have quite happily taken the excuse because there was some sort of dispute. Mm-hmm. Kirsten Dunst around this time was dating Jake Gyllenhaal and she was pushing hard for him. Hey, my friend Jake. Um, and Jake Gyllenhaal very nearly sort of took the role. Uh, he ended up appearing in it, what, like 15, 16 years later? He ended up appearing yeah. in a Spider-Man yeah. film, so he made it eventually. He made it eventually. Um Again, I think Jake Gyllenhaal is is more talented. Um, I've never that warmed that much to him either, to be honest. But 
I met him in person. He's uh, lovely. Yeah, lovely so man. I've heard, and I, his, his sister's a very nice person as well. Apparently, they're, they're just nice family. But I, I mean, now Kirsten Dunst has a child with Jesse Plemons, uh, which How I didn't that? actually know about. But uh, about uh, the last thing I saw him in was as Floyd Landis in the uh, Lance Armstrong film with Beth Ben Foster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the I think he's one of those good character actors. Like whenever he, whenever he pops up, you know, he always gives a great performance, and he sort of improves everything that he's in. I think the journalist that uncut, oh Ben Foster is kind of eerily um, Lance Armstrong in that film as well. But the the journalist that um, uncovered him, who I've read his book, I've read the real journalist book and seen him in documentaries. But he's played by Chris O'Dowd from the the IT Crowd, uh, who also appeared in the Marvel film because he was dating. Um, Natalie Portman, wasn't he? Oh, of course, yeah. Oh my gosh, who'd have thought the guy from the from the IT crowd dating Natalie Portman? Yeah, have you tried turning her on and off? Again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, but anyway, he was able to make it into the film, and for for the sake of verisimilitude and everything matching, no problem. Uh, I keep on about him, but my my problems are him, but my problems are also this version of Peter Parker. I think sort of Sam Raimi's dragged it out of the pages of the sort of Silver Age, and it doesn't quite update in the right way. But we'll get to it. Shall we discuss this film sequentially, folks? And why not? And why not? Uh, so I like, um... I like the title sequence. I just want to say that. I just like the art. Oh, the like, title's just... amazing. This, I say there's another reason why this film is better. This yeah. has an amazing title sequence. It makes next week look lazy because it's all it styled really the same, but it's photographs instead. Yeah, I, I think this was like kind of used as like as an example of like let's not let's not constantly do origin stories because like well we can just we can just like tell like an origin story like in the title sequence and I think let's they, just go straight to his retirement pocket. But they, yeah, but they, I think I think they actually I was trying to think of an example of when it was used, but I think it's actually been used in um, the Incredible Hulk, hasn't it? The Incredible Hulk, the title sequence oh, is basically the birth of the Hulk and we cut straight to like a few years on. Mm. So, But yeah, this yeah. is basically a recap of the first film. More or less, but it's just slightly... on Spider-Man. It, it's at once, it looks like the actors, it looks it looks faithful to, to everything, but it's got that sort of comic book stylization mm. to it as well. It's really nice. And uh, yeah, so where where do we start though? Um... We start with him. Uh, it fades from artwork to a photograph on a billboard of Mary Jane. I, I think it's a jeweler's actually. There's a picture of her face, and again, this guy can't even like see her. There's a scene coming up later that's mm-hmm. so creepy around this, but like he can't even ride a bike straight when there's a picture of her. Uh, we start with a bit of um, voiceover with him going, you know, I'm Spider-Man, paid to do a job. I've had to put everything else behind me. And, uh, yeah, he's delivering pizzas, isn't he? Yeah. Trying to. Well, he's, he's, he's on his way to the pizza place mm. to pick up pizzas to deliver, but he's late because he was doing Spider-Man stuff. And the address on the pizza delivery shop is the same address as where Doctor Strange lives. I do think that for a minute. <laughs> Oh, that must be trying to read the medical book and pick out a watch and there's pizzas being. Yeah, see that that pizza place actually is a real place though. It's uh it's Joe's Pizza. Uh, yeah, it's actually Joe's Pizza, isn't it? If you go, you can go there. Yeah, 
And I have. Hey, um, I was going to say you've been there. I bet didn't that's you? not Joe, though, is it? No, that's not Joe. <laughs> Did you get your pizza in half an hour? Was it under half an hour or whatever the time promises? I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not entirely sure because it's mostly like you know you can walk in, just grab a slice and that. It's not like uh, I don't. I'm not sure how 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 I'll, how random deliveries are. Um, I mean, thanks, for, thanks for discounting the $15, but it really doesn't stack up against <laughs> the 400 quid I spent flying yeah. here. Next time we go, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. We can do all the movie locations of New York. Uh, yeah, so basically, I see, I don't know how realistic, I don't live in New York, obviously, and I've had, like, pizza on a street corner sort of thing, I think, but I haven't... No, I mean, I suppose there's bikes and there's walking and there's there's ways of doing it, but having been in central Manhattan I find it hard to believe anyone would actually make a 29 minute guarantee it's, it's probably not 20 I'd just pluck that out of thin air but it does it seem is a little 29 bit minutes oh it's 29 minutes oh, I was right okay and, and Peter's got there with about 7 minutes to go Don't and he's got to go I forget what he says now 42 blocks or something really fucking stupid <laughs> basically you've got a long way to travel but it's just a bit of time and he's like if you don't make it you're fired and he's like, oh, I was thinking to Toshi to get some power converters. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit like that, isn't it? Oh, he's doing my head in straight away. And that helmet on his head. He, look, he looks a fucking helmet. Um, I, I'm trying to see. I recognise the guy who played Joe, but I'm trying not to hold us up while I look for it. But um, yeah, so he, he, he just basically starts racing down the road to like on his scooter. Mm. And it's not working out. So he races into an alley, changes into Spider-Man and sort of takes off with them. But then he has to stop partway through to stop some kids uh, from being run over. I um, I think that may have... It's either that or him landing with May as the first public uh, production still I saw from this film. But to cut a very long story short, he drops the pizza on the balcony... In a very, it's a very stylized Manhattan, very vanilla sky. Yeah. Um, with literally a vanilla sky. Um, Quite literally. Well, you notice it in the last scene of the film as well. Uh, and there's a joke of him getting the pizza back off the guy, and that guy, st- he stole that guy's pizzas and all that shit. And when he gets there, he's late. The receptionist who says, I won't pay for it, is Emily Deschanel from Bones. Zoe, Deschan- yeah. Zoe, De- Zoe Deschanel's two things about this. Firstly, it's Zoe Deschanel's sister, so it must confuse her when Toby Maguire opens his mouth and speaks with her sister's voice. <laughs> uh, and secondly, she is literally the same age as me to the day. No. Emily, yeah. That's day, month, and year. Oh, birthday shouldn't. Yeah. I share birthdays with other famous people, but like, she's you literally... You do? She's literally... You've got a famous birthday, are you? Bobby Charlton. It's all French. <laughs> oh. uh, what's he called from True Blood? The guy. Oh, that guy. The, 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 the one who plays The guy who played the vampire. He's about seven years older than me. Uh, there's a couple of others as well. Very exciting. I know our listeners must be fucking masturbating furiously. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, so what? My well, who do I share a birthday with? What's uh, your birthday? Second or third? Third of August, yeah. I always get it mixed up. Third of August. Hang on a minute. Let's have a look. Let's find out. If you've got a celebrity birthday, please drop us an email. Expect to talk at gmail.com. Well, we'll all have celebrity birthdays, just which ones? <laughs> Will. Tony Bennett. Mm. 
He's fucking 94 in the next month. No. Yeah. I mean, I knew he must have been knocking on a bit, but you still imagine him walking around with that, you know, Alec Baldwin style with that microphone. Eric Bergen. Uh, Tom Georgeson, he was, he's an actor. He was, um, mm-hmm. he was in a TV show called Between the Lines, but he's been in loads of stuff. Include- oh, he was, um, he was the main bad guy who was Otto's boss in A Fish Called Wanda. That's Tom Georgeson. Oh. Terry Wogan. Oh, Mark, yeah, that's it. Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Uh, hang on a minute. John Landis. Oh, legend. Ozzy Ardiles. Uh, uh, this is this is this is this is uh, a boring podcast. I'm really sorry, folks. <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, and Becca's birthday was the day Cubby Broccoli died. Yes. But unbeknownst to you, Dave, I actually share a birthday with Toby, unfortunately. Do you? God, unfortunately. Embarrassing. But also Vera Wang. So, <laughs> the famous designer Vera Wang. So, you know, ups and downs. Well famous, who is she? <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> she's, she's very famous, so you know. Okay. So JJ as well, share a birthday with JJ. Pizza bit, he's got fired. Uh, what next? Does he go home? Oh, yeah. Um, it's his birthday. Yeah, he he's... Fucking he's... noticed. Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure he get, it cuts to him, like, and J. Joe saying, say, like, you're fired, because he's trying to, like, uh, give him non-Spider-Man photos. Yeah, he's gone into a newspaper that lives on breaking news in one of the biggest cities and best cities in the world, mm-hmm. and he'll, he hands over, like, an arty photo of an old man on a bench. And stuff like that. It's like I don't know what was going through his fucking head, but he's he's about to be fired, and eventually he relents and hands yeah. over a photo of Spider-Man, which is mass menace terrorizes city. Um, I thought he, we saw him go home because yeah, he, he goes and that, home and it's his birthday. Yeah, and he has, yeah, I, he, and they all go surprised, and he goes like, "Oh, what's this for? It's your birthday, you idiot." <laughs> You really are a knob end. Um, yeah, Mary Jane and Harry have turned up. And they're all smiling. It's a rocking party. Says, it's a rocking party. They all, sort of, <laughs> they, all, they all gangbang, aren't they? <laughs> oh, God. She's like, ooh. <laughs> and, um, yeah. No, that's not what happens. Uh, the world needs yeah. a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. <laughs> and Harry's like, yeah, I'll put a hero in you. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Still taking photos of your friend, and he's looking a bit bitter. He's awful in this film, James Franco. I hate him in this film. Um, just the, the character's badly written, but there you go. Um, and she's, It's kind of like he's shoehorned into this film a little bit. Yeah, it was to set up the third film, which at this point, I don't think Sam Raimi knew what he wanted to do with anyway. Because I mean, the third film is just villain, villain overload. But um, so yeah, Aunt May Skint, she's on the verge of losing her house, but that will sort of come up later. Oh. Does he have a chat with Mary Jane out the back now? Yeah, so it's after like everyone, like sort of everyone's kind of like falling asleep. Yeah, because um, it's such a rocky party. They're, no. they're, they're worn out. <laughs> such a bang time. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you know Harry's not happy. He's um, 
I think uh, I think you know May has a, a like a talk with him, sort of like well, I'll, I'll something about how Mary Jane and whatever, and yeah, so they they, they meet they meet outside like fence like in creepy. the first film. This is creepy because he touches his face at one point, and it's like Frodo when he's like fingering <laughs> fucking one ring. See, I'm trying I, not to sound. He loves it. I, I can't help but like think this is just a bit odd like now she pretty much says gives him her chance to kind of like yeah she she basically comes up and then like and then it's I'm like, dating it's, someone but I'd rather be with you yeah oh by the way I'm dating someone it's like yeah. well what are you doing then right so either you're dating someone and you don't really like them but they'll do for now and you're trying to tip the nod or You've got to the end of the conversation. He's kind of not giving you what you want, so you're just going to go. Well, I'm seeing someone anyway. Well, it turns out she actually is. Um, and it's been pretty serious. And it's pretty serious. And it's like revenge marriage never really tends to work out. You know, there are. I, I've known. I can't think who now. It, it, but I'm sure of... in my life I've known people who've married effectively on the rebound as an and as an element of. Oh God. Not spite, but like almost trying to show the world they're over it, and and part of that is aimed at the ex as well. So mm. I don't know what the fuck's going on here. That's crazy when relationship. She touches, when she touches his face, there's a bit in Lord of the Rings where Fro- Frodo is sort of to, later in the films, and he's rubbing his finger round the ring. That sounds dodgy. His eyes It happens here, and it's like you creepy fucker. <laughs> It kind of makes you not like uh, Mary J, uh, 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 MJ, really, doesn't it? Because he's like, well, why are you coming on to him if you're like... Yeah, and it might, do you know what my overriding thought when I watched this today was? On this scene, apart from that's really creepy, because I don't think I'd noticed how much he luxuriates in the touch on his face. But my first thought was, well, this is ultimately flawed, because the Perry, you just need to fucking grow up. Um... That's what it is. It's mm. like, you're like, no, I'm not dating you. And you're like, well, I'm seeing someone. And it's like, grow up for fuck's sake. Am I meant to be invested in this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think to a broader point, I think the, the problem, particularly with this Peter Parker, is that he just needs to get a fucking grip. Yeah. Because he just doesn't seem to. I know. Apologies if this, if this expression upsets people. I know it's like probably not, but you know, he needs to just fucking man up. Do you know what I mean? Either like, you know, just get over it and move on. Or, or you know, do you know what I mean? Just stop fucking just like badging about. You know, if you if c- commit to being Spider Man or not, do you know what I mean? Like, or. There comes a point where it's like, on the one hand, I appreciate the attempt to show the inner dilemma and add some depth to this. But it goes on so long through a film that feels fairly long that eventually you just go off shit or get off the pot for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's what it is. And it's just, it's all to do with the way it's acted, played and belaboured. And again, not at any point, I, I mean, not at any point would I believe Kirsten Dunst would want this fucking guy. But yeah. Kirsten Dunst doesn't do enough in, in the character for me to think, that she's any fucking great prize either. But anyway, so do we go straight to um, Otto Octavius now? Uh, no, so he's you know he's at university. There's the, the yeah, there's stuff about him being 
late, obviously, because he's doing Spider-Man stuff. You know, he's yeah. late. For, you know, we, we, Kurt Connors, we, who we'll see in the reboot. Mm. Yeah, he pops up, doesn't he? So, so yeah. which makes me think they'll, they'll see those plans to sort of do him as a lizard um, later on in another film. I think yeah, I they were what keeping there. their options to do it. He was contracted, I believe, for more films, and they reserved the right to do it, sort of thing. But I mean, he was only ever a bit part character, but they 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 played up the missing arm. Yeah, mm. I'll say they still got the, um, you can still see the fact that he's only got one arm. Whereas they could have just put a character in called that as a little Easter egg, but he's you know. I guess at the time they never know kind of which way it's going to go or which way it's going to work out, do they? I mean, yeah, or what they feel like doing. Exactly. I mean, it could have been that you know when they came to cast. At least with Nolan, you know, at least with Nolan and his Batman films, he tried to select the villain based on the themes of the film. So the first film is very much about mastering your fear, so it's the Scarecrow. The second film is about escalation and dealing with chaos, so it's the Joker. Yep. The third film is about physical decline, so he puts him up against Batman's like biggest physical threat, Bane. He's like, yeah, he's like... Um, and I, I just think with this, this is a bit 90s Batman sort of series problem in that you go with like one of the biggest villains and then who's next? Yeah, it's um, like you go, but you go you know, up yeah, and up and up and you kind of... Who's next? You can't stop. I think the hierarchy's a little bit less clear with Batman than it is with, say... Uh, sorry, Spider-Man than it is, say, Batman's rogues gallery because Batman's chief antagonist is the Joker without question, whereas you could argue who might go first in this, but there is an element of... They've picked Doc Ock because it's film two, not because Doc Ock is germane to Peter's journey in this film, but that only really became a thing with Nolan, to be fair. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. He's, who, who he's would, like, who would the Spider-Man... Um, Arch Nemesis B, I don't know. Again, he's just got no control on his life. He, he, I think... he's, turn, he's turning up to class and he's like, class is finished, hence I'm stood here. Mm. And he's too busy being screwed in one. I think, I think the problem with the villains, in terms of the Raimis particularly, is they're kind of almost like the same kind of thing. It's almost like they're, they're really kind of like good or like they're not like they're not all that bad. But something happens that kind of like that makes them Twists go crazy. Them. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, we've got and it's not their fault, really. And even in the third film, I mean, it's terrible in the third film, but they try to humanize him with constant talk of his fucking daughter. Mm. It's 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 that kind. Of, and and and, it did, and one of the things, yeah, the thing for the Raimi's films, it just make me like. Obviously, I, I know at least in the third film you have Venom, which you'd probably say is a flat out villain. You know, yeah, the Eddie Brock there waste, is wasted as fuck, but yeah. But you know, but again, it's like it. It's not. If you want to see the Venom story done right? Watch the '90s fucking cartoon because they've got like a three-part arc, the symbiont thing or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. and it, and it takes you through it. It takes you through it like bonding to him first and, and so on. And again, it's done for a cartoon audience. There are limitations in it. It's much shorter, but it's the main beats of how you'd want the story done. You'd have done. Mm, Firstly, he should have been the only villain in a film with Venom in it, not not someone given five minutes. But it, it's set up perfectly in a film where you're exploring, like, good and bad. Mm. You didn't need the Sandman in that film, but he seemed to be the chief antagonist for some fucking reason. It, 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 it's something that you, you set up, like, pre-film. So you, you have, like, a film with him in the black suit and dealing with that. And then and then you set up Venom as the, as the villain for the next film, wouldn't you? It'd be, it'd be along those lines. Yeah. 
one of the final, you know, almost the the now with the Marvel post credit sequence. In the post credit mm-hmm. sequence, it bonds to Eddie Brock. Simple as that. But anyway, um, there's lots of different ways you could do it. I'm not saying it had to be exactly like. But anyway, that's that's a conversation for next week. Doc Ock is, I think, ninety percent. Well, a high percentage of the effect of the character on a po- in a positive note is the way he's shot and the effects and stuff, but mm-hmm. also. Alfred Molina. I just think you put most other actors in this role, it just wouldn't have been as good. I just think he was just very, very good in the role. And it was very much like, oh, who's this guy? So uh, to in, in, to credit to Raimi, you know, it shows that you don't necessarily need a name. You just sort of hire hire an actor that yeah. you like. Does Alfred a good job. Molina's had a wonderful career, but he wasn't a massive movie star. Yeah, because I, I remember at the time like, oh, who, who is this guy? Like, I heard, all I heard was, oh, he's in Raiders in the Lost Ark. So I was like, who's he in Raiders of the Lost Ark? He's in the first scene. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, it took me a while to figure that out as well because obviously he's like, no, he's he's quite well known, isn't he? Internet. But then when you go back and revisit, uh, you think, oh my god, it's that. Guy. Internet wasn't um, quite like how it was, but I mean, bear in mind, yeah. bear in mind, it's this is sixteen years ago. He's been in loads of stuff. Yeah, yeah he's, he's but a bit too increasing. We're, we're talking back to two thousand and four, and I'm just looking back now to see pre two thousand and four what I knew him best from because I knew him, and I knew him fairly well, not just as Satipo or whatever the character's called. Uh, it, it, wouldn't he be in um, Shirley Valentine? Yeah, uh, that was Tom Conti. Oh, was it? Oh, sorry, I'm getting mixed. <laughs> um, get them he pleased. played Poirot in a TV movie, but it's not that. He was in Shock yeah, a lot. Yeah, it wasn't quite. He was quite good, but it's not he quite. Was in, he was in Shock a lot. I remember him from that. <laughs> he was in Magnolia. Um, he was in two. I honestly me? think the thing I know him best from was he played. Um, Tony Hancock on TV. Oh, of course he did. Um, yeah, I'm tr- I'm trying to find it. I can't it's remember what it was called now. But yeah, he played uh, Tony Hancock in a TV film. Um, uh, he was in Letter to Brezhnev as well. I have seen that. <laughs> but again, a, you know, a really sort of mix of sort of like anime games. Oh, he's had um, a TV film projects. Yeah, he's had a wonderful career. Mm, well, Lady you know, Hawk, very and also on, on stage as well. Lady Hawk wasn't that um that uh, that's uh, uh, Richard Donner um, with uh, I think Michelle Pfeiffer and Rutger Hauer. Right. Classic oh, right. movie. I was yeah. getting confused with the other Rutger Hauer film that was Paul Verhoeven's first. He also made Prince of Persia. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was in Maverick as well, the Mel Gibson film version of the TV show. Oh, I do remember him from Species. He he was like yeah, he was a doctor in he was the doctor in Species. He did that TV series with um, Don French a few, a few years ago, didn't he? Probably about 10. I d- which eight, one? Ten years ago. Yeah, I know he was in that, but I'm I'm literally just trying to pick on yeah. the things that I definitely Rich knew career. at the time or thought. Uh, uh, but he's, he's always very watchable, though, isn't he? He's kind of. Yeah. You know, he doesn't kind of have sort of phone it in. He's. I'm no, quite happy he's, to watch whatever he does. <laughs> he's, he's really good. He was he, he he lost his wife only about three months ago. His wife yeah, was um, Jill Ga- Jill Gascoigne. Mm. If I got their name right, she was in. She was a British TV actress. She was in a couple of related cop shows. She was in one called The Gentle Touch. And then it spun off into one called Cat's Eyes. Um, but she was about sixteen, seventeen years older than him. So she she died about eighty three years of age, about three or four months ago, and she'd had dementia for years. And she was living in a home and everything. He hasn't had an easy ride in the last few years trying to care for her and stuff like that. 
But yeah, so he's really good in this, and he's a lot of the appeal from it. And the Doc Ock brought to life would have been a big thing at this point. We just hadn't yeah. seen these things live action. And and the only series that's competing with this at this point is the X-Men, which was a lot more grounded in that incarnation. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Of course, like and, a year or so, it's about to be taken over by uh, uh, Brett Ratner. So. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll get it. We'll, we'll do that. Lovely series, stuff. Brett Ratner, <laughs> a lovely human being. Oh, God. Great doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Okay. So, where do we go from there? Do, yeah. We, so, uh, oh. yeah. Alpha Mini. He's, he's very warm, isn't he? Very, very plays it very what like warm, kind of like na- nice character. I, I want him to be my dad. Yeah. Yeah. I said it. And I don't want, but I don't want Donna Murphy to be my mum because I'd find that too confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's really great that she's in the in this film for like five minutes and she gets like top billing. I think that's really cool. Like she's, well, not, not five minutes, isn't it, for a little yeah, bit longer than that, but it's like so, a blink and you miss it roll. It's so milf hunters like me turn up. <laughs> I think that's what it was. They thought, right, okay, let's attract some people. Yeah. I just <laughs> I just remember the Plinkett review of Insurrection, and he's talking away in Plinkett's voice, and he goes, and of course, yeah, he, he's got a milf who wants to sit on his face. <laughs> and it's just like Donald Murphy. Um, Song about that. Yeah, so he's taken to, to meet um, Doc Ock uh, this fusion experiment which did get mentioned mm. he's doing science stuff it's basically cheap energy um, it's like a second sun and the details beyond that don't work, they don't matter really yeah. they, uh, Doc, he isn't rude but he is like I, I haven't got a lot of time and he's like but I pay the bills, Harry says so it's like okay so he sits down and has like tea with Alfred and, and and his personal MILF mm. <laughs> and um, this conversation makes my teeth itch um, it goes on a bit too long it's kind it's of cringe, it's it? kind of nice it's a little bit cheesy because it's all all the all the quote unquote adults talk to the teenagers in homilies that's all mm. they do in the entire fucking series um, it just goes on a bit too long and I, I, like I say, he's a whiny little twat. I don't care. But Alfred Molina, I, you get a sense of him as a decent man. His wife is there just to humanise him. Mm. The fact she's killed immediately is a waste, but it's to humanise him and play up the tragic figure. You know? Uh, because yeah. the, there's a bit when the experiment happens where he starts it up and she looks so proud of him before it goes wrong. So they've obviously got a very strong marriage. But he tells her, he asks if she, he's got a girlfriend and decisive Peter Parker of this series is like, I don't know. <laughs> well, so, you haven't, Pete. Are we suppose, are we, yeah, the answer's no, Pete. <laughs> Fucking, it's like, are we supposed to root for this bellend? Uh, and he's like, read her poetry and it's like, but he turned that... her down five minutes ago. Now the film has got him obsessively boning up on poetry whilst his colours run. We've even got to watch him do his fucking laundry. It's like, we get it. He's having a tough time. That will do. <laughs> that, that'll, uh... that'll win the heart of any girl, you know. But I, th- I think it kind of it works because he is just so warm in... when he's it... like this. 
it's meant nicely as well, and it's only semi-serious. I don't mean he's winding him up per se, but he's not—he's not saying do that and you'll definitely get her. He's just being like warm about his memories with his mm. wife. You know, I, I read her some, and you know, uh, this is how we met and stuff, and it, mm. it plays okay. It's just. This this film has got a, a terrible habit of getting two minutes of information across in seven minutes, you know, that that's its problem. And again, I'm making it sound like I don't like it, and it's not true. I do like it, but lauded, you know, sit and really watch it. It's got some flaws. Um, we go on to the experiment now, don't we? Uh, I think I, I try to remember that I did, I did write notes and I've lost them sadly, <laughs> but yeah, more or less we can. Um... Yeah, we so should we... go through to that. It's all right. But um, uh, yes, obviously there's you know there's uh, the the free line is like Harry's Harry's like sort of trying to fund this. Uh... Harry's funding Oscorp is funding it, which is now obviously yeah. Harry's company, even though it was bought out in the last fucking film. It was bought out in the last film. Harry would not be in this position. No. Um, and in fact, yeah, it it had been accepted by the board, who we it was established could outvote Norman. So even if Harry, though um, everyone's dead, it, though, so yeah, uh, I guess yeah, I guess. Mine, right. yeah, okay, all right, fair enough. But um, I don't suppose it really matters. But um, I don't know how he became a bell end this quickly. Just think of the smarmiest salesman you've ever met in your life, and that's like mm. Harry in this <laughs> film. I think they were kind of trying to turn him into like the villain for the next film, but then obviously that kind of took a. The left turn, didn't it? That kind of went in another direction. So. Oh, the way they do that in the next film is fucking nuts. But anyway. the whole film—that's <laughs> that's the logical conclusion because you just saw me like, well, it's going to be Harry, going to be the the villain, and mm. next time round, clearly. Um, was that because with them? Oh gosh, I've forgotten his name. I don't know. William Defoe. Yes, sorry, I forgot his name. Yeah, I'm sorry. So, to be fair, she could have been talking about literally I could anybody. Talk about anybody. <laughs> No, but yeah, he, well, he wasn't meant to be in it, was he? He was kind of meant to be like just his voice, but then I think he happened to be walking along. They're, they're filming in his street because he sort of lives in the area, and and they sort of like, oh hey, how you doing? You know, we'll, we'll write you into the into the scene at the Great. end. Right, I happen to have my dressing gown with me. Yes, I happen to have it here. <laughs> I've got the shirt on. It's fine. What were the chances? <laughs> But it literally just happened like that. He wasn't meant to be in it, and he just happened to bump into the crew and was like, "Oh hi, yeah, we'll give you a cameo. It's all good." Sorry. So yeah, I think they just they set it up to be to be that way for the next film, and then obviously we know it didn't turn out like that as such. Yeah. So this experiment involves a load of I'm assuming investors uh, watching with with no protection guard or anything, and he's never even practice this experiment uh, while he sort of uses something called tritium in, in, in the middle of New York as in well. the middle of New York yeah um, and it's going to create this big like mini sun I think like red giant basically but about the size of a beach ball uh, although it gets a lot bigger in later in the film when they do it again but anyway at this point and basically there's a containment field around it that he manages with these fake limbs that are sort of into his spinal cord mm. and wave around around the outside of it. That appears to be the sciencey bit, um, and it's 
conveniently not tapped into his higher brain functions. So he has control over it, but they work like an extra pair of arms so he can mm. do things. A, he can do more, and B, they're more robust than human hands. I think that's the idea. The film doesn't sell it that well. Yeah, he, um, he can get close to it and do stuff with it. You know, unlike kind uh, of... And at this point, everyone is as thick as shit. Because A, they stand right near it with no guard, no fear when anything starts going. And not only that, Peter disappears when Harry turns to look at him and then Spider-Man appears. And no one puts two and two together at all. Uh, she's killed his wife by like flying glass because this, basi- this basically becomes a big magnet, but not just for metal. Primarily metal, but yeah, it is metal actually. Metal gets dragged towards mm. it. Yeah, cause it's for but the metal for the windows, isn't it? It's the window up. frames. Yeah, and yeah. the glass comes flying out with it and basically spears her in the eye. Uh, it's You don't see it, but it's very sort of subversive Sam Raimi, that shot. Yeah. And she, she screams and it's like... You see, it's, it's from the reflection of the glass. And then it's like, sleep well, my pretty mm. milf. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, Spider-Man swings in, saves Harry, and he's like, "Where that's where that doesn't change anything," because um, he's that much of a twat. Uh, and he rips out again. I mean, you, you think he was like he caught Spider-Man with like a, a knife in his hand over, over his. This is corpse. just uh, this is a misunderstanding that is so easily sorted out. But they don't. You wouldn't think. Like, hang on, what actually happened with my father? Then you know, the film, and... has, the film has to strain to keep this going, because in any normal world, particularly once he finds out it's Peter, Peter would go, "That's not what happened," and then he would either believe it or not. But you would at least have a go. Um, yeah, he basically unplugs the thing. Doc Ock gets kind of electrocuted, and the the th- the inhibitor chip mm. on his neck gets broken. So he's now knocked out. Uh, Peter's saved everybody, and that's it, really. Doc Harry's now it. ruined. Apparently. Harry's now ruined. I'm ruined. He's not, though. No, exactly. Anyway, I found that quite hard to believe. Um, but he does become a self-pitying prick after this. I mean, he's just a prick before this, but after this, he's a self-pitying prick. Uh, then what? Do, I don't think we go. Do we go straight to the hospital? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, the the experiment is shut down and yeah. destroyed basically, and at the hospital, they've got to cut the. Thi- they're not quite sure what they're describing. They're talking about doing a spinal fusion after they've mm. taken it out, but they don't know what they're going to see till they get in there. But they need to cut off the limbs first, the fake limbs, not his limbs. I was going to say, um, and it's like, did any of you take shop? And then suddenly the limbs, they're now acting independent of Doc Ock, who's got his eyes covered for some reason. Mm. But that that's just for the visual of he can't see what he's doing. I i do know for a fact that in surgery you do kind of like at least tape over the eyes. Do you? I didn't know that. Um, I, th- I know they do sometimes for, like, yeah, for, I think, for animals, I, <laughs> but I didn't know they did it for people. That's yeah, because mm. I, I think the, the idea, obviously, because when you're like, you know, under an aesthetic, you, know, yeah. you want your eyes closed anyway, so it just keeps that down. Oh, okay. Uh, Interesting. I, I don't... I, Just a medical I, fact. I don't know whether... I mean, I can think of one reason why well, you, know, you don't want your, sort of, like, your eyes to be like wide open. No. Because your eyes will dry out. It could be quite off-put- off-putting. It could be also just in the case of like you, you randomly seem to sort of like you know wake up. You don't want to be like seeing, seeing shit. 
possibly. I don't know. No, but it might be quite traumatic. Could be. I mean, that, that, that that's speculative. I actually don't know if that's the case. But anyway, yeah, I, I digress. Uh, but yeah, the... Medical fact. <laughs> just for one scene, I mean, they get around to the rating very well, but just for one scene, you, you wished it was Evil Dead and was a total fucking bloodbath. But yeah. it's, it's, it's done in a way that's, you know, without showing too much blood and, and gore, it's mm. done in a way that's, well, I still found it scary. Um, and it's really effective with like, the lighting. Obviously, there are, kind of, there are some, I was going to say cheap, but I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, the sort of well-trodden, like, horror tropes. Um, like, um, that sort of Mac Max Shrek kind of um, Nosferatu kind of just showing that, you know, the, is it Karoskiri? The, the, um, like, showing the, the um, like, shadows, very much kind of like 30s expressionism, that sort of stuff. Um and like one of the one of the um, surgeons kind of like dragged away with her nails, like cutting into the into the floor. Like, um, it's kind of you know it's kind of like another horror trope, definitely. But like there are other ways of doing it, and it's still, or I could say like enjoyable. If that makes sense. You know, you still get a lot out of it, and it is very very much Sam Raimi. Definitely, it's like his signature thing. It's done in a way which is like a bit obscure. Like, well, are they dead or are they just knocked out? Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, you uh, don't always know. Do you, it's a bit. Oh. I mean, you, you kind of like. You kind of assume it kind of assumes that they're dead, but then you don't see anything particularly that would mean that they that they they died from it. I mean, you could have like the occasional sort of like crack or something just to hear like oh that oh that that's his neck broken or just like allude to that. But um, yeah, it is a bit it is a bit too obscure, but it is shot really well because because each one of his hands have cameras, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they all kind of like you kind of sort of see from their like point of view and that, um, and yeah, she's th- th- so they're working out and he wakes up a bit kind of dazed and possessed and not really know what what goes on. Um, but he he breaks out from the hospital mm. and uh, and finds like uh, this random place in the harbour. He basically sort of like at the point well you know oh, I'm I'm ruined I'm just gonna commit suicide because you know my love of my life is gone. But then obviously the chip's broken and then the the actual arms start talking to him and sort of sort of start coming control of him. He goes crazy. Yeah. We don't hear them. It's it's very like the Sooty show or something. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all a bit internalised, isn't it? So. What he, he bangs on the table. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he goes, What's that? Once we asked you for no. I'm one makes a squeaky like, sound. One arm's called Sue, the other one's called Sweep. Uh, the other one's Sooty Sue Junior. Had, Sue, Sue had quite a nice voice. I've, I've never, I've never, yeah, so, yeah, she's, I've never been that attractive to a guy. Yeah. I've never before. squeaked his way through. Yeah. Hit people with a it's hammer occasionally. Yeah. And the other one called Gordon the Gopher. No. Not the same, not the same cinematic universe. Right. Sweep cinematic universe. So after this, do we cut to about J. Jonah Jameson naming yeah. it? Uh, yeah. Right, you're on fire. No. Uh, no, I think that's after the bank, the bank thing. It's after the yeah. bank. All right, so to the bank. So again, ladling on the what a horrible life the family have. Mm. Uh, they're there to refinance her house by after opening a like super saver account that gives you a free toaster or something. <laughs> yeah. Like as financial planning goes, this is. That's the incentive, isn't this it? Got, that's the, that's this, the incentive. Has got, this has got gaps, though. If I thought, right, I've got to convince the bank to give me a mortgage. Right, what do I do? Get a free okay. taster. Okay, 
what I do is I open a super saver account with about 10 quid, right? <laughs> and they give me the mortgage and I get a toaster. That's what, yeah, so this is shite. And um, is it me or is Doc, Doc Ock in the exact same bank at the same time, which is handy? Uh, but he's there trying to steal what looked like those sort of gold chocolate buttons you used to get. <laughs> what? What currency is stored in this bank? It's like something they would steal in Pirates of the Caribbean. It's that classic cartoon thing, though, isn't it? Um, it's literally like big circular gold coins. Yeah. And it's all in the bank. It, you know that that's yeah. Um. I don't understand, but okay. So, yeah, they're, they're basically there while this happens. Mm. Uh, he saves May, then jumps away, turns into Spider-Man. It goes, Peter, don't leave me. I think it will. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm off, fuck this. No, he comes back as Spider-Man and they have a, li- a very average fight. And and he takes Aunt May um, hostage. He takes Aunt May. Peter does a couple of really lame quips in a really creepy, croaky shit voice. Uh, something like that. Uh, and Mark May would go through something which would probably give any woman that age a heart attack. What? Where, where he drops her? Well, just, all of it, really. Quite right. all of it, but when he drops her, you know, it's like. Oh, no. I know. Yeah, this actress at this point would have been in her late 70s. Yeah. And she's there, like, you know, being thrown around, like, you know, on, on top of high, high buildings, hang, hang, hanging off ledge by, by a brolly. <laughs> yeah, and they get they get into a bit of a fight and stuff, and it's like she, she even she even like handbags the villain. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, it, anyway. It's kind of like a Les Dawson character. <laughs> uh, yeah, some of the green screen work here is not that good either. But uh, we, we uh, have... American listeners, just Google Les Dawson. <laughs> Yeah, basically really dressed as women. Yeah. Or Dick Emery, or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then we have this, like, she's sliding down her umbrella. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah! And then she just, like, touches the floor. And it's like, is this meant to be funny? So, so he rescues her. And she's all like, Spider-Man's a hero. Uh, Octavius is, like, away. That's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, she, oh yeah, she doesn't like uh, Spider-Man at the beginning of the film, we forgot to mention. She's like, oh, you know, I was wrong about you. Yeah, and it was like, and to be fair, my first thought when she said that was, what did you think of him? I can't remember. <laughs> but the, the thing is, though, he, he says something that's kind of reasonable. It's like, oh, we show, sh- showed him. As in, like, kind of, that's kind of like a nice little sort of, like, you know, a friendly <laughs> thing to say to, to someone who you know, just like, you know, been in conflict with like a, a big sort of tentacle man and she goes we as in like really questioning he's like alright oh, don't need to be a dick about it <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what he sounds like I thought she was going to slap him when she went the first time <laughs> I saw it she got genuinely put out by that yeah she does it's like and, 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 and today I actually don't understand why I don't actually... I'd, have, I'd have liked that though Spider was a bit more like more blunt like that just goes sort of like you know we? It's like, well, f- go fucking a bitch. <laughs> just... yeah. I can't wait till you re- I can't wait till you regenerate into fucking spank material. <laughs> anyway. Um, 
<laughs> so, uh, this is there's a Doc Ock, there's uh, the naming Doc Ock scene, mm. which is all right. It's just it's it's a continuation of the Jonah Jameson scenes from the last film. Constant, you know, your wife's lost her credit card, you know, tell her congratulations or whatever. Mm. Uh, they're trying to get a front page. He's having seven different conversations at once. He's trying to name Doc Ock. Uh, Ted Raby comes up with Doc Ock. He turns that down and they circle through other things, including Doctor Strange, which he says is taken, which means Doctor Strange would exist in this continuity yeah. somehow. Um, and they circle back to Doc Ock. Uh, and Sp- uh, Peter's trying to get an advance for a job uh, taking photos at a party that evening for jo- that Jonah's running. Mm. And it's John Jameson, who's an astronaut. Um, My son, the astronaut. I'm pretty sure that's how the Venom symbiote came back in the... In it, the it is in the comics, yeah. It came back on that craft. Mm. Um, and Harry's there drunk. We have um, a bit where he tries to win Mary Jane back a bit because we we do establish that he's starting to lose his powers, sort of gradually. Um, and... I thought I thought the first time was when he left here because he, he yeah, it's it's, when... it's established early on that he starts to have like lose his powers like from from the early on where um... I thought it was when he left here because the first yeah. time you see his powers fail. It's at night, and it's him running away from this party. I think, if I remember correctly, he goes to. I think before he skipped a bit, where he goes to see Mary Jane, tries to go to get a ticket for Mary Jane. But yeah. He, but he stops like a bank. He stops like a, you know, like a like someone's just robbed a bank or yeah. like so. Um, yeah. And and he beats into Bruce yeah, Campbell. That's we have we have missed that. Yeah. He he. She's in a. Broadway play or something mm. like that. Uh, he keeps promising to go and see it. She makes a point to him later. Everyone went to see it. Like, you're have, an empty seat kind of thing. Yeah. Um, he turn. He goes out with just his suit on after that scene where we see it running, discolour his pants like we give a shit. Oh my god, Spider Man's got slightly pink pants. Um, and. Yeah, he he's late to it because of that thing, and Bruce Campbell is playing the sort of usher on the door, and he won't let him in because mm. you can't come in after the play starts. And he's full of he's apologies. He's like snooty usher. He's full of apologies on the phone to her the next day on a payphone, which tells you something. Um, yeah, well, it's one of those things, isn't it? I but she's really, like, she's so really unhappy about it. weren't even in yeah proliferation. Uh, smartphones weren't, but mobiles were every fucker mm. in 2004. Um, but anyway... I don't think I did. Uh, <laughs> Not until late 2004. Most people had them by 2004. Um, but then also the idea is that, you know, he's he's out of money, you know, he's he's probably struggling at work, that sort of thing, so he might not be able to afford okay. a cell phone. So. Okay. Um, and the take contrast up, is also take, between, take... like, his family and also, like, when he has dinner with... Octavius, whatever his name is, um, as a start, it's kind of basically the sort of the family and life that he perhaps wouldn't have been able to have. So you got the contrast there as well. Well, I mean, to be fair, take up of I do remember reading back in the day, cell phone take up was slower there than it is was here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, but I think it, now, now seeing a payphone, you feel like what? <laughs> I got my first one in like early two thousand, and literally like within a few months, everyone had them. Yeah. Um, I, I think like. The next generation up, like my parents and that, they took like another year or so 
but yeah, it's always like a bit 2004, of a, most not people. great uptick, definitely. But yeah, it's, it's very weird now, especially in the, the age of smartphones. So this is, smart this is what's, it's very weird to see a payphone, isn't it? This is another thing that's pushing her towards this other guy because she's made a play for him. He said no. He then like wants to be wants to sort of learn poetry and impress her, but then he can't turn up. And then she seems that seems to be the final straw for her. So when we get to this party, she's seen with the astronaut, John. And it's they're engaged to be married. And it's like within the last few days, you've been upset listening to a voicemail message because Pete has let you down. Why would the audience go with you deciding to marry this person? Mm. It just makes you sound an asshole. And like he's like sort of like oh like you know he's such an arrogant oh, yes yes but you were late mate like you know it's just kind of like well don't be late he's, you know it's 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 fair you're enough, making but... excuses and you're trying to make light of it like someone really ought to do something about him and it's like you've missed the point abject apology that's all you can really do now not not say there was some usher he's always got an excuse but the the trouble is he always needs an excuse. But yeah, this party, um, Harry's drunk and he's on about his friend Spider-Man and he slaps Peter a couple of times. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, the job's not going that well that night. Can't even get a drink. The woman he loves is engaged to somebody else and his best friend's just slapped him twice. Slapped him in public, yeah. And that's when, and she really has a go at him as well for like being the empty seat. Mm. And he does leave, run down the alley rip sort of Christopher Reeve style rip open the shirt and yeah I thought that was very much a Superman moment yeah. wasn't it I kind of that, instead of hearing this you know Spider-Man strange starts, you kind of hear the Spider- Superman theme tune starts swinging through the city and that's where it fails and he falls a hell of a distance yeah, it hurts isn't it it's really painful well it's he doesn't complain about it this time it's more like what was that it's almost mm-hmm. like he's got an, uh, he's got either stronger bones or some kind of exoskeleton. So, like the impact of it, you just kind of like <laughs> the impact would kill you if you mm. weren't, weren't enhanced in some it's way. It's shocking. Yeah. Um, so he, he's losing his ability there, uh, and then we find out. Uh, then we we go into quite a um, ponderous bit of the bloody film because we've got to sort of wait for like Doc Ock to be rebuilding this thing. How I'm not entirely sure. It's like, oh, I just need funds. Well, how are you gonna like go to buy buy the things you need? Like, how, well, how... We, see, we see him sat emptying boxes of it, and it looks like freight. Like he's had to fly it in from somewhere. It doesn't make sense. Surely you steal the stuff, not the money to buy the stuff. <laughs> it's it's like I see like a, a really expensive watch in a in a jeweler's window, and I think. I'd love to nick that, so I go and rob a bank to get the money to buy it. <laughs> it's like, hmm, I could have cut out the middleman there. We've got all this stuff with, um, uh, what have we got now? He, he gives up being Spider-Man, doesn't he? Yeah, well, yeah. So he, he, I think he, um, yeah, he does. Um, he kind of like, I am Spider-Man no more. And at this point, his 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 powers have failed once. His life's being ruined by this. It would make sense. It's only a bit later on. Yeah, there's sort of things like oh, his web hasn't worked and things like that for like randomly. But when he when he when he decides he's all motivated again and it fails again, it's like you're belabouring an arc that's just finished. 
So, um, yeah, the suit is the suit is sort of passed into the Daily Bugle, uh, and he has a conversation with Aunt May. I think they go to the grave, and he sa- he tells her about how he's responsible mm. for his death, which he isn't really. But there you go, um, and does the single tear thing. And it's a really long scene again. And it's just like, I don't care about these two. But bless you, film, for having a go. You're supposed to be you're supposed to be given a bit of depth to these people. Yeah, she just like walks away, clearly upset. Uh, I'm not sure what happens after or before, but there's like a really cheesy montage bit of him being carefree. Two raindrops keep calling falling on my head. Yeah. He's got to put the glasses back on because his eyesight's failing as well. Not um, failing as in he's going to go blind, but back to the damaged eyesight he had in the first film before he was enhanced. So he sticks his glasses on, wears overly nerdy clothes. Some clothes he suddenly goes to like wearing really kind of old man clothes, by and large, and going he, to like he's walking down the street really awkwardly as well but in a really sort of self-assured way it's really I odd. know and it's like everyone's backed off from him as well because it's like New York it's a, it's a university in New York that you'd be crowded mm. um, so that feels really strange it feels like social distancing 16 years early um, and he's in class giving answers to the questions with cheesy grins on his face Um it's all right. It, it's the freeze frame shot that gets me. It's like... There's a freeze frame for a split second that's out of focus and then goes back into action again. I thought it was like a skipping problem on my DVD or something. No, it's just shit. <laughs> I thought that's a bit of a hokey, hokey transition. But if, if I thought maybe had... my DVD was broke, but maybe not. But if it wasn't just a momentary stop and it had ended there, you'd have gone fine. But why did you pause on out of focus for a split second? Giving like a really sort of like, oh, yeah, or, or you know, I, I got told a good job from my professor. It's, it's like, so what? Yeah. I, d- I don't care. We know you're pretty good. The chances are, if you weren't being Spider Man, you'd be all right in class. And he's there, he's, he, he, he makes it to the play, but it's like. In the interim, and again, we I don't remember where it falls in the film, he goes back to his one room apartment, and it's rent. And he says, all I've got is this 20, which was given to him by Aunt May. Um, And he nabs that straight away. The girl nearly sets the kitchen on fire because she's just distracted by how sexy Tobey Maguire is. (laughs) But she's kind of cute. She's she's right for him, not Mary Jane, but there you go. Um, She's awkward, but so is he. Mm. Yeah, he's gone back to normal. In the meantime... um, Harry is like, you know, at home drinking himself fucking silly. He's ruined, but he's still living in this fantastic palatial apartment. Uh, it's amazing. And then he hears a noise, and it's like Doc Ock walking up the side of the building. Mm-hmm. And sort of smacks him in the face. And yeah, he yeah, like, use the fucking lift, mate. Um, he wants money he wants the trillium or whatever it is he, he needs the resources and harry says get me spider-man and he says how do i do that and he says peter parker and it's like i remember watching the honest trailer not the honest trailer i think it was the pitch meeting for this mm-hmm. where where they've got where the producer guy goes that is how photography works yeah, generally <laughs> it does have some great lines doesn't he, he has some great lines 
it's like that doesn't make them mates but all right and so skipping on a bit doc ock thinks this uh ordinary man i don't know very much about although i've met him um i need him to get his attention to tell me who peter who spider-man is and where spider-man is or just where spider-man is actually so i'll throw this car through the window at him (laughs) yeah (laughs) Bear mind that. Bear mind that. That's just. That's just after Harry sort of like. Oh, by the way, don't hurt Peter. Even though I've just given like his name yeah. to. And, and and he wants Spider Man alive as well. So overwhelmingly, he doesn't know Peter Parker is Spider Man. So he's just thrown a chair, a chair, uh, a car at the back of a person. So if he didn't have spider sense, it would have killed him. If he is Spider-Man, he doesn't know the extent of Spider-Man's power, so if he knows that he's Spider-Man somehow, he doesn't know that won't kill him. He's not encountered Spider-Sense. This is bollocks. But he's, he's sat in a cafe with... Um, in the Before this, she's at home with John. I'm assuming they... I don't know if they live mm. together, but they are together of an evening. He's laying out on the sofa, and she mimics the upside-down kiss... From the first film, I really, you be, you should be proud of me, listeners, because I bypassed a bro job joke. There, I just went straight for. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Literally, she, round of applause. I and, am moving my hands in a circular fashion. And he's like, "I'm back on the moon." It's like that was a bit camp, wasn't it? <laughs> and she's not moved by it, so she obviously wants someone. We don't know who. You can kiss her upside down. Specifically an upside down kiss. So even if it was... She has kissed Peter, but it was a regular kiss. And we thought she realised then, but she didn't. It's an upside down kiss because at the end of the film, she did not know. So this kiss that wasn't as good as Spider-Man tells her that she's still in love with... Peter Parker, who doesn't know his Spider-Man. <laughs> Fucking brilliant plotting, greatest superhero film ever made. Yeah, it's really not the greatest superhero movie I mean, ever made. I mean, before, yeah, so before this we had, the, you know, he tends to play and he sort of gives her poetry and he gives the I'm confused kind of, he makes her confused again by saying, I'm not an empty seed, I've got this thing that I don't have to do anymore. You know, yeah. and then and then by in the next scene, and then she meets him for like coffee or lunch or something. Yeah, and the, basically the... says, "I, I want oh, I've you. got to do it now." <laughs> and it's like, nah. Well, no, that thing I said that I don't have to do. Well, like, yeah, I kind of have to do it now. Because um, because before then he had a a chat with uh, a doctor, Aunt May. Oh, and a doctor. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he chatted to a doctor and said, "No." He said he had a dream he was Spider-Man and was losing his powers, which is tenuous enough not tipping the nod to the Doctor. But when when he actually then goes, well, it wasn't even my dream, it was a friend's dream. <laughs> I'm like, that's not how like symbolism works. You know? Yeah. If if someone told me, if someone said, if someone said to me, I dreamt about an alligator attacking me last night. That wouldn't mean I'm about to meet the woman of my dreams or something. <laughs> That's like... Symb- if there's symbolism in dreams, it's for the person having the dream. 
Well, it, it makes us, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to diagnose, like, you know, a passive dream that your mate told you. I'd like, I'd want to hear from your mate to me to diagnose anything, so, surely. So the doctor sort of knows. And he's like, well, your friend. And he's like, it's all up here. It's in the head. And it's like, you've just had a medical examination because you can't shoot webs. And your eyesight is back to what it was at the start of the first film. So if you have a medical test at that point, you're going to look like a perfectly healthy 19-year-old man. So what did you expect the doctor to fucking tell you? I don't know. And, these, and all of these scenes go on for fucking ages. And he has a talk with Ant-Man. Yeah, these scenes are quite long, I, I must admit. I think these scenes the, are the probably one with Ant -Man. The one with Ant-Man. I, I like the fact that he still retains his connection to Aunt May because it shows oh, he cares about the family and all the rest of it. If she wasn't appearing, there'd be a problem. But she's about to move out of the house. Yeah, she's written out of it completely. Then it would be like, hmm, alarm bells And she wants to relay a conversation she's had with the little boy who's helping her pack up about how he wants to be Spider-Man and the importance of heroes and how they inspire us and mm. I believe there's a hero in all of us she says there are points in this film where accent slips because she's English uh, there's a bit where she screams and it slips Doc Ox does at one point as well when he tells a joke in the first scene because uh, they're both English I mean I'm not sure how good their accents are anyway I can't really comment uh, Alfred Molina's doesn't sound that good to me but I'm not American but it slips in a couple of places but she says I believe there's a hero in all of us I believe in here in says it really strange, kind of like to like Sean Connery. A little bit. And I'm thinking, there isn't though, is it? That's just a homily. Some people are just bad. I, 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 was, I was just sort of thinking, I keep feeling like a Whitney Houston song. <laughs> Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, give me with one moment time with, 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 with the strength to carry on yeah. <laughs> and you know, the, you know it's true that here lies in you so he's now convinced he wants to be Spider-Man we are a bit all over the place here and he goes up onto a roof and like tries to do like a web and can't you know jumps or arm back and falls and it's Uma back mm. which is just not funny or yeah. well played uh, but to cut a long story short he is now having lunch with like her He's still glasses on, and she's leaning in for a kiss and stuff. You see, kiss me. Yeah. Mm. And basically, he senses a car coming through the window and dives out the way, protecting her. And that is enough to bring his powers back. His, his powers are linked to her in that the first time we see him without them is after the party, I think. But it's mm. certainly after, like, he's been upset by her. Um, and so on. And he loses them, you know. See, he, that's the connection, isn't it? He gets them back when she's put at risk. Because he can suddenly, he his glasses are blurry. He has to take mm. them off. Um, and he drops them. And I'm thinking, what are you doing that for? You might need him again. You've lost your power <laughs> once. Those are quality specs. Yeah. Well, a, top, a top Hollywood actress fancied you in them, so that you must. <laughs> so you want to keep all of those? No, you do need to go to Specsavers. Uh, this is where we go to the the, the big train sequence, isn't it? Mm. Now the train sequence is too long. It's a very long sequence. And it finishes off with, um, again, just to quote that um, pitch meeting again, they pointed out that Spider-Man stopped the train with the power of constipation <laughs> because of the look on his face. 
Um, but it is very Sam Raimi. This he sort of catches up to the train. He sort of mm. um, sort of links to it via like the webs and gets dragged along the floor and then he runs up the side of a building and onto it they fight on the top of it it's not the perfect seamless effect you think it is but it, it looks pretty decent and it's got some decent camera work in it it's not bad this is it no it's it, 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 it's fine I mean he steals a costume back from Jameson um, just as like you know he starts to sort of like re, you know reconsider his feelings about him like Oh, oh, Spider-Man's gone away and it's all my fault and then you hear like a thwishing noise, the suit's taken note left, friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man, he's a menace yeah. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man 2.1 there is a shot of um, Jameson in the suit, he tries it on he tries it on and he's like crouching up on his desk and things like that that's uh, fun to see uh, 2.1 doesn't add a lot. There's a, I think there's a little bit extra around the joke in the lift about the suit riding up on the crotch and stuff. <laughs> that's, a yeah, that's a really funny scene. I totally forgot about that scene. I think I'm a, sort of featuring quite heavily in sort of like trailers and teasers. The the, the guy in that though is like it's kind of shot as if like that's a, like a really big cameo. But I like I've never heard a scene of this guy before in my life. I, I recognise him. He's like, he, but he's appeared in as a talking head in a lot of those. It wasn't this, but you get like. I love the '90s doc- documentaries mm. or something, and you'll get like somebody unrelated to whatever it is they're talking about. So, for argument's sake, Johnny Vegas talking about how much he loved One Foot in the Grave or something, and it, it's one of those. I can't yeah. remember what though. I'm looking for his name now. Um, I'm struggling to find it. Oh, um, Hal Sparks. What? Sorry. How Sparks is called. How Sparks, yeah. The elevator passenger. So, it means yeah. something to me. Got him. Yeah. I don't recognise that name. Let's just see what he was been in. Dude, where's my car? I've got to go back to around the time of this, to be honest. Because, again, he might have been in loads I've seen since. <clears throat> but I recognised him here. He was in an episode of Frasier. Well, I've seen every Frasier episode multiple times. So, it could be that. Um, he was in Dude Where's My Car Um, that's probably about it in terms of things I will have seen but yeah actor and director basically but yeah I recognised him Uh, Joel McHale's in this as well yeah he plays plays Bank Teller another one of those um, before before he was famous but before he was like really famous yeah so yeah this fight I mean what are the key bits about this fight really um it ends up with him having to stop the train. Uh, yeah. Doc Ock does some damage to the train's ability to stop. Yeah. And he kind of has to sort of slow it down by shooting his webs. Yeah. Like pulling a face. And, and yeah, and then pulling a constipated face. A pierced Boston pain face. The camera's yeah, on him for such face. a long time and it's such an unpleasant rubbery fucking visage he's pulling. <laughs> it's like... Fizzle. It, it does look like... Joaquin Phoenix, if Joaquin Phoenix was a bit fucking simple and ugly. Um, it's well, really irritating. You know, imagine this, if you're trying to stop a speeding train, what sort of face would you pull? Me? You know? Pull as a fucking cucumber. <laughs> and then I'd, and then I'd be right back and then I'd be right back to work. I'd go back to work and then I wouldn't mention it to any of my colleagues because I'm quite low-key about my heroics. But what makes me laugh is he faints and they, they pull him into the train and they look down at this 30-year-old man and go, 
he's just a kid. And I'm thinking, he's got a double chin. He's not just a kid. Uh, that man is in his late 20s, at, at least. He's barely older than my son. It's like, Christ. How old were you when you started fucking? Look at him. <laughs> so they're all like, we won't tell anyone because he's not wearing his mask. But the, the thing the thing about that, though, it kind of works. But it's like, oh, we won't tell anyone. Well, what are you going to tell? Like, you know, do you know my name? Uh, am I a famous face? No. No. And the fact is, when, when you meet somebody once for a couple of seconds, you, if you had to describe them later on, you can't remember. It's like, oh, well, he's like, you know, youngish some guy, phones, brown some hair. Phones, some phones at this time had cameras in. Yeah. Uh, they weren't as high resolution or as good as smartphones, obviously. But, I mean, I remember going out somewhere Christmas like 2002 and someone took a photo of me on the camera phone. And it was a tiny little shot on a tiny little screen. But it it, it was recognisably me. Mm. So, a um, bit dodgy, but it works. Alfred Molina basically slams them all out of the way. Because that New York thing of, like the first film, you've got to come through all of us. He's like, fine, twats him out of the way. <laughs> Picks him up and takes him to Harry. Yeah. Who is flat out terrible in this scene. When he pulls off the, like, the mask, because he's tied up laying on the bed, knocked out. Not the bed, like a lounge, lounger type thing. Mm. Pulls the mask off him and does that hilarious over-the-top, slightly trying not <laughs> yeah. to faint acting. That like, no, Peter! I don't know how this guy ever ended up rating. Rated. He's smarmy and not a very good actor. Um, uh, Seth Rogen. That's pretty much short answer. Probably. Yeah, it doesn't help that like stuff's come out about his personal life, and I I tried to divorce the two, but I I didn't like him anyway, so it was just like added ammunition. <laughs> um. Uh. Then what? Doesn't does Pete wake up here? He does, doesn't he? Yeah, he pretty much wakes instantly as soon as like he uh, pulls the so mask off, disappears. Yeah, wakes up, breaks off like the ra- whatever he's wrapped up in. Yeah, and Peter's like, "You killed my dad," and he's like, "Just the the film's going out of its way not not to address this because the natural reaction is I didn't, but I will explain everything to you." But and then onto it. Mm. But he doesn't even... He, he's just... There's bigger things happening than me and you here. And it's like... You're the author of your own downfall here, Peter. And it's just... It's not particularly good script writing. Because he must be convinced that he did. In some way. Like, oh, well, you know... Well, technically I did because I dodged out of the way and it, and it killed him. You know, do you know what I mean? It's like kind of... But you tell him what happened. You, if you genuinely thought you were a killer, you wouldn't be carrying on as Spider-Man. Mm. So it it doesn't really work. It's the film just twisting itself out of shape to avoid dealing with it. So it's where's he gone? And it, he finds out that he's redoing the Trillium experiment. And he's got Mary Jane tied to a post for some reason. Uh, I don't know why. Doesn't know what else to do with her. Well... I could understand you doing... Again, it's another trope, isn't it? It's like a villain trope. I think we've seen it going far back as... Yeah, but you um, do it. You but, do... Yeah, it's sort of Hanna-Barbera or, you know, Warner Brothers cartoons from sort of 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. It's kind of like... But you do it to draw in Spider-Man. The last thing he wants here is Spider-Man to turn up. You've dumped him with Harry, sneak off and do what you're going to do. 
and I've never really thought about that before, but it, it, it doesn't need Mary Jane here. Mary Jane was to draw Spider-Man in. You drew Spider-Man in. And there was going to be some, in one of the kind of earlier scripts of the film, there was going to be this bizarre subplot where he was like obsessed with Mary Jane, but obviously that was jettisoned, and there was going to be like a weird love triangle. But um, So maybe that's kind of where germs of that came from, I don't know. Possibly, but it does annoy me that when you have like script rewrites and there's the seed of something that doesn't now exist. I think it's or, a bit too many cuts. Or, or the seed honest. the seed gets taken out, but the payoff to something that's not been set up happens. Um, the, I, it's almost like they've decided at the last minute that he's taking he is going to take him to Harry, rather than him chasing him. Like like the train thing wasn't originally going to happen. I don't mm. know. It's it's okay, but and, and her top is really rather wet as well. But enough of that because we're grown-ups. Uh, he starts the experiment again. The stakes are she's going to be killed because it went wrong once. He can't hold containment, and basically New York's going to be dragged into this thing. It becomes like a black hole mm. for anything around it. So he sort of sneaks in, and it does start going wrong again. And then well, what? yeah, obviously when you like, you know, create basically like a mini sun. On the... Yeah. Well, it, it has a gravitational pull. Yeah. Um, what do we want to say about this? This action is not that impressive at the end of the film. Well, no, because it's like it's again. It's like the last last film. It's 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 used up its main set sequence, and it's just like well, it's just them two kind of fighting. I mean, he, he gets knocked out, um, and is and he kind of starts to talk to um, Octavia, saying like, "I need I need to speak to the." The, the the man inside and he's like oh Parker brilliant but lazy and then yeah we sort of takes takes control of his own thing and he sort of does it in a way that commits suicide because that's what he wants to do initially but ends up destroying basically drowning the big um uh, son basically that's how you do it yeah you just drown it which is handy uh, seeing that they're actually on water. You're right on water, and all you got to do is like disable the arms underneath it. Yeah. Just basically unstabilize what it stood on, and it will just fall in the water, and mysteriously you'll just die. I don't know how, but he just dies. I mean, he's, he doesn't even look weighed down by anything because it's below him. And it's below it would have him. been his arms. Would have been the arms itself. Whatever. But yeah. Um. He's like everything's getting dragged into it before he drowns it, including like the warning mm. falls on Mary Jane and he holds it up. But when she first sees him without the mask on, she's like, "Oh my god, you can see it." She's genuinely like, "Peter." And then yeah. when he's holding the wall up, he's like, "You did love me, despite saying you didn't." And he's like, "Yes." And it's like this film keeps having to reprise stuff because that should be the end of the arc. But in a minute, he's going to turn her down again. Well, I can't because I'm Spider-Man, and it's like, yeah. how many times do we have to go back and forth on this? I've never seen a guy prick tease a woman before. I mean, in the film, you say, "Well, I can't because I'm Spider-Man," and, and it's like, "Well, she would say, well, sorry, but that's my choice." Your being with her has not protected her in the first two films. Yeah. She's been hostage in both of those films and you're not in a relationship, so how can it get any fucking worse if you are? True. So, 
he lets her down and she's like, well, having just declared our undying love for each other, I think I'm going to go off and marry that bloke. <laughs> what a pair of bellends these two are. Um, so he's all depressed while they're about to get married. Uh, meanwhile, the, you know, Harry starts hearing the, you know, his dad, father's voice as the Green Goblin, which it makes zero no sense. sense. Oh, no sense whatsoever. Because um, if he was hearing his dad's voice, it would be his dad, not as dad as the Green Goblin. Yeah, if if he was, if he was, if he had a mental health condition that he thought his dad was in his head, he doesn't know his dad's the Green Goblin at this stage. Um, but he actually sees him, and it's like, okay, so that's kind of you've almost got an alter ego, mm. but it's not very well explained. But you've got something similar to what your dad had, but your dad had it caused by a serum. Long after you were conceived, born and grew up, you weren't in the environment where that serum was. You didn't spend a lot of time with your dad anyway. This doesn't make any sense. I, it, it would make a lot more sense had the reveal been he'd actually been working on, on the Green Goblin suit, hence explain his erratic behaviour. Yeah, and it, and it's kind of dropped in the third one as well because there's no. it's just blind rage. There's yeah. no sense of voices. You don't need to have this madness angle all you have to do is have him be bitter and angry enough and happen across his father's materials mm. you don't need him to hear the goblin laugh as a hint all he'd have to do is drunkenly fall into the wrong mirror he's been pissed two or three times in the film yeah so it's not great but, yeah, then, we've, yeah. but then we've got a wedding um, quite an expensive wedding by the look of it. Yeah. Uh, and I always sort of forget that I know it's J. Jonah Jameson's son, but I always sort of forget in the last third of the film. So I'm always surprised when he sort of stood there with his wife. Oh, I'm also sure it was in an episode of Frasier. I think she played a really annoying character called Anne. And most people are though, aren't they? A lot of people in Frasier. Yeah, so. guess so. I don't think I don't think J.K. Simmons has been in it, but. A lot of big names were. Yeah. But yeah, there was a really annoying like insurance saleswoman in it who went on like a blind date with him and I think that's her. And I've again only noticed in the last scene today when she was stood next to him. Uh now the bit that doesn't they 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 strike up here comes the bride. But here doesn't come the bride. Mm. And I'm thinking, is that how weddings work? Do they just spark up the music in the hope? <laughs> on the vague guess the bride is just no they, they wait the for door. confirmation that the bride is actually there <laughs> before they actually it's, yeah you don't think they look at a watch and go she must be at the door by now start the music <laughs> up <laughs> <laughs> what made them start proceedings and then eventually a woman even if you saw someone running to the door she's by herself and clearly not the bride and holding a letter and looking pensive. <laughs> Let's celebrate that with some music. <laughs> yeah, basically the organ player was told to play the music. As soon as someone walks through that door, you start playing, I gotcha. <laughs> and you couldn't even take him into the vestry and just explain to him. Yeah. You, you wrote a fucking note. And we're supposed to be like, yay, her and Peter. Yeah, it's all yeah, it's all glowy. I know she's running and she's looking carefree, and I'm thinking, 
You selfish bitch. <laughs> you did not need to put him in this position in the first place. Yeah. Because you've known since about halfway through the film, you weren't that into this guy. Becca, thoughts? <laughs> I, yeah, I just... It really frustrates me, because like, every scene... The scenes that I, I really do struggle with, you know, I, I do want their relationship to kind of take off because it's, you know, it's one of those sort of classic comic book like love stories, really. Um, I just kind of get every every scene, like every any sort of hint of, of chemistry they had in the first film was just completely gone. I, I just feel really bad for any sort of love or ro- romance scenes in this film because I just seem they just don't really, to me, they don't really mean anything. Um, and just all sort of chemistry is sort of dissolved, unfortunately. Um, and this scene, I just kind of think any sort of like, you know, it's meant to be like a deeper, meaningful scene between, you know, Peter and Mary Jane. I just kind of feel it doesn't really come to anything. I just kind of feel like, oh, there'd be so much more, you know, they could make so much more of it. Um, and this scene, I, f- I fear, is pretty much more of the same, unfortunately. So, yeah, I just kind of feel it falls a bit, falls a bit flat, sadly. I just think the whole thing's really wrong-headed because there's a victim here. Do you know what I mean? I just think they've gone about this all the wrong way. Mm. Do I really feel for the bloke? Not particularly, because the film hasn't done enough with him anyway. But the fact is, it's just from a sheer plot logic perspective. It's like, don't plot it like this. It makes Mary Jane look awful. Um, It makes Peter look particularly uncaring as well. And just the pair of them just need to fucking grow up a bit. Um, But the thing is, the film shouldn't have had a... It's been so clear since early in the film, she's not that into him anyway, that to get... I'm not saying she should have married him. Obviously not. But it should never have got to this point, ever. Um, but yeah, the only bit I do like about the scene is when she just arrives at his place and she says, you know, I've always been waiting in your doorway. The way she actually talks to him there is actually quite nice. And mm. and we do get a go get him tiger. And it has a little bit of a, it kind of reminded me of the, uh, graduate where she's like, she, you know, that obviously it ends with a bit of a yay and he's off sw- swinging into action and she's left there with a kind of like a, uh, like a not disgruntled but kind of really, are like, you getting are you getting at the fact that at the end of the graduate he fights so hard to get her they get on a bus and then they sit there with a look of what now yeah <laughs> you know you, all, you there, there, there's, a, there's a hint of unsurety which yeah. It's that old Jeff Goldblum speech, you know, we thought so hard about whether we could, uh, you know, we didn't think about whether we should. Yeah. Um, I didn't read her look that way. I I read it more like she she actually looked quite tranquil. She's like, well, this is my life now. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, every time I look at it, I think it looks troubled. You know, I think it's it's what it's saying is my life's going to be... It's going to be hard now. I just think these films would have been... How much better would these films have been had we had the two leads from the next iteration? Hmm. Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield would have just nailed these films so much better. Yeah. Um, but there you go. Um, Spider-Man 2, it's it's you know talked about as one of the greatest superhero films ever made. I think that's nostalgia and time and the fact that it might have been in 2004, 
but you know the, the contenders for that I think prize. That is kind of where the argument comes from. Like at the time, obviously, it was quite yeah. a very low. You know, where well, the contenders were thin on the ground. I feel like I've had a lot of superhero movies now that we've had the technology, and you know the rights and everything, and we've been able to, you know, Marvel have been really able to hit the nail on the head and kind of make the films that the fans expect, really. But yeah, kind of as you say, kind of at the at that kind of point in time. We had very few of them, definitely, um, and I think yeah, to this point, and and sort of certainly with the X Men movies as well, that bar was starting to be raised. So I think kind of where, was, that's, yeah. that's where a lot of that does come from. This is this is, and there's still lots to like about this in this film, even though we kind of you know plot wise, logically, it's not that great. But yeah, there's still lots to enjoy, and indeed, there's you know there's lots that I do love about this film. But I just feel like because of everything that you guys have said, I just really not feel, felt like I've been able to express it or I feel like I've been able to say it, unfortunately. But I, I just feel bad because there's there is so much good about this film. But I just kind of feel like, you know, I just haven't... It, there hasn't been the opportunity, sadly, So, which is kind of quite quite um, emblematic of, of this, certainly this Spider-Man trilogy as a whole. There's, there's a good film in there, but there's just so much so much wrong with it it's, it's quite flawed so it's quite difficult for anything any positivity to kind of really come through so i kind of feel like there is so much i love about this film and so much i still want to talk about this film but i just feel like i, I can't <laughs> so well, which, which which do you do you like becca i would have been here for this whole time you know if i had the chance to speak about it oh my god there's so much there's so much film there's so much that i do enjoy about this film oh my god um so like the like the opening sequence i just it's really creative and the fact that you know it's one of the first times that we do see like the marvel logo starting to change everything as well um and you see like images from the you know the original cartoon and like the art style i could go on for ages about the art style about this movie um just about the opening credits of this film um and like the scene for example where um where Peter goes and has done it with, with Octavius as well, because I think that's the whole... I, I love that kind of duality between, like, his family and, and Peter's family as well. Um, and there's so much I could talk about that, about how that kind of means in terms of, like, especially in terms of American politics at the time as well. Um, the, there's, I guess, speak at length about, like, the relationship between <laughs> Peter Parker and Mary Jane, just why it's so bad in this film. Oh, my God. It really does annoy me. Um, and there's also a lot about, like, her clothes and kind of what she wears and how, how different it is to the, to the last film as well. Um there's so much I could say about like the wedding scene and I just how it doesn't work for me definitely but like there's a lot I could say about the transformation scene as well um I just kind of felt there's lots wrong with it but I just couldn't you know I didn't feel I could get it out there and I just oh so yeah anyway I'm just going to scrap this film and just yeah do my fun do my fun facts and say that I really enjoyed this film but it is very very flawed so is it kind of like you you know it's like a, a really mix mixture of like good I feel and bad like we've shut Becca out now <laughs> no, 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 no! You know, you haven't, you haven't that at all. Definitely, no, not at all. I just kind of feel like it is. It's one of those movies where, like, it's, it's hard to nail, isn't it? It really is, definitely. But also at the same time, like, it was, you know, this this one won, won quite a slew, of, especially in terms of like science, um, like sci-fi and like technical awards as well. Um, film put, picked up quite a speak now because I'm so excited. Um, picked up quite a few awards as well, and like, especially you're saying about it's kind of like, you know, it's like any film. It might be like the best. You know, a lot of people say that like Goldfinger or Thunderball like might be the best Bond movie or something, for example. Mm. But yeah, there's lots wrong with it as well. It's, you know, it's the same with any movie. Um, but I, you know, I, I do still, even though it is, it is very flawed, there is lots to love, and it's still like I say, it's probably the best superhero movie of 2004. But certainly, in the 2000s as well. We do we do this occasionally though, and it is that old saying about you know the, the sum less than less than or more than the sum of its parts. And 
I started off saying I quite like this film, but it's got some flaws. And then in yeah, all the just, details, I've taken it to the cleaners. It's just one of those um, things. It's like it, that when you when you not, sort of drill down to it and you kind of like realise all like these holes yeah. and everything. So well, you know that's that's what you do. I think that's what, what kind of done, analysis is about, really. If you kind of really do peel back those layers and look into is, it, and you know have a bit of fun with it as well. But at the end of the day, like despite all the criticisms that we've kind of that we've um, that we've put you know put to it, you know at, at the end of the day, we do still enjoy it. It's still you know of these. Of you know one two and three this this tri- this particular trilogy, yeah I I would agree we're all you know we're all in agreement that it's probably the best of of, of this little series here, um, and then we have a bit of a dip during Andrew Garfield and then it kind of really takes off with yeah. you know with, with the new the new generation of Spider-Man films definitely I would kind of I would like to think that we're all in agreement of that for sure but yeah. I think you know I, yeah. but next week I'm really looking forward to next week because it is so bad I think, I think we're gonna have a lot one, of fun with that next week I think with this one. The things it did well, well, first, <laughs> first off, I mean, if you were to sit here at the end of 2004 and say, what's the best superhero film ever, would be, you'd be arguing about the first Superman film, one of the Batman films, maybe, and possibly X2. It's not a long list. Whereas now, when I talk about this film, you go, everyone goes on about the train sequence. I'm sorry, I've seen that done better. It's good, but it's not that good. They humanise the villain. That's been done lots of times in different films in different ways um the inner look at uh, peter and his dilemmas well marvel have done that with with captain america they did it in civil war to some degree um a lot of the things it does well have just been very super very much superseded now so you go back and look at this and a bit like last week it's kind of a bit basic but again if you trimmed maybe 15 to 20 minutes off it would be a bit stronger because most scenes run a bit too long becca talked about the dinner scene or the tea scene you know where they sat around and i i i I don't disagree but it's too long and i just think like i i don't know quite where the wild praise for this film comes from it's pretty good it's the strongest of the three the best villain probably the best villain spider-man's gone up against yet so far i'd say in in any of them um it's still for me the worst spider-man i I don't like just don't like him in the role i don't like the way they've written peter parker i don't buy this love relationship i don't think they've really got any chemistry i think you know i see him with some awkward girl at his flat and i immediately think why isn't he with her she's with some Mm. astronaut i'm thinking why is she not with him these two do not work together and they ladle on conversations with his aunt and conversations with his doctor and conversations with the doc. And so it goes on. It's a good film. It's a little bit baggy. It's wildly overrated. But it's got Sam Raimi's spark, uh, uh, sort of stamp on it. And you can tell he really cared. He, he thinks he's he's got characters here he cares about. And it shows. So... It's a good superhero film. It is a, a long way from a great one. That's it for me, Chris. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's kind of what it's kind of easy to sort of rip the shit out of it when you're going through it because it's one of the things where we do the reviews. And I think it's why we'd have the opening closing comments just to kind of like, well, okay, well, we've we've mostly sort of took the piss for it now. Now we're like, well, yeah, because you, you can genuinely go. 
I really like this film, but it's got some problems. And then you go talk about Here's politics the first funny. scene, and you go, actually, that scene's quite a problem well, because exactly, so and so. That's, that's what a review is, though, isn't it? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, we have the time it is. Well, and we say, oh look, that's a bit weird. That's a bit funny. That's a bit strange. And that's what it's all about. So you, you know. have to stop at the end and go. Not sorry, I'm not apologising <laughs> but... for you, but at least to go. I don't hate this, you know. <laughs> Actually, it's great fun. You know, it's it could be it could good. be like the worst film in the world, but you still enjoy it. Or it could be like I have Citizen to say Kane that, or you know was, Casablanca. But actually, that's a bit crap. If I, if <laughs> I was, if I, if I, Casablanca is fucking brilliant. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm um, not saying it is, but it well, is amazing. I do love it just a little bit. Some of them keep do. But I just that's a really bad example. But do you know but, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but I tell you, if I was writing a review of this film and it was released now, it would get three stars. It would get nothing more than this that. It. It, it's just it. good. It's just good. I, I, I would question. I do would question how people. If I if I go to Twitter now and ask people how they felt about Spider Man Two, would they? Would I get this one review? Of the best? Will be unpopular. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I think people are quietly just kind of gone a bit ho hum since Marvel. Let's yeah, I, I think obviously about you've got, like Marvel how it is now, for example, they've come a long way kind of since obviously. Every time a Spider-Man film comes out, we hear, yeah, but it's not as good as Spider-Man 2. Hmm, but yeah, you're going to get into specs as well, haven't you? So. I have a feeling some of those opinions, uh, I've said that with nostalgia rather than, have you yeah, sat and watched it recently? recently? Yeah, they've probably watched it recently. Yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't make it a bad film. No, no it's okay. It's, it's, you know, it's any sort of yeah. decent issue. I was still for, I was love, a, so. And it was a better like next film. Next week, we might try and find any good points. For context, context, it was a better film in 2004 than it is now. It was. One of the best films of the year. It was a four, <laughs> it was a four star. It was never a five star film, I'm sorry, but it was a four star film in 2004. No. But oh, no. the, the superhero genre yeah, has I'm now matured. It's now matured to the degree that it's it's now comparatively a three star film. It is. For me, yeah, you know, or different. Next, next, next week is is uh, not. <laughs> Empire Magazine gave it four stars review. Now I'd go along with that at the time. Uh, I'll see what happened for the third film. Let's try. That's pretty. That's pretty standard for Empire, though. Empire do tend to hedge their bets, but you, three stars you get... from Chris Hewitt. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but that's probably, been, about... that's probably been revisited, though, isn't it? But we, but when you, when you see a film that's not very good sometimes you you, you almost can't believe it you know and no. you, you, kind of, you kind of start hedging your bets and giving it a three if it's not a flat out stinker i mean i gave dark phoenix a three star written review um i think three stars is probably the best that you can do with that kind of movie it was a low end three star review don't yeah, get it wrong it. but what does he say yeah still smart still exciting it's still action-packed so this is the Spider-Man 3 review from back in the day. Yeah. Um, it's just a shame to know that after promising greatness, all Spider-Man 3 delivers is satisfaction. So that's it. <laughs> Literally satisfying. Did deliver that for me? I was really disappointed. No. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Um, dear, dear, lots of eye-rolling. But as I say, we'll have fun with it and I, I maybe try to find some good aspects, but I don't think yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I was going to say, if you think uh, Peter Parker's a dick in this, you probably think God knows what you think is... <laughs> Next week. Next time around. Oh, dear. Yeah. Bear in mind, he's dancing to music that in universe they can't hear. <laughs> oh, that's true. Um, it, it's it's just not nuts. my singing. And you know, at the end, it at the end they reconcile like it's been this big, big split and love jar. It's just a mess. The third film, and once again, she's taken hostage, and 
you've got the Sandman just going, my daughter, my daughter, my daughter, my daughter. Yeah, it's um, a bit obsessed. They waste, they waste the Venom character. I've always liked Venom. Forget the film Venom for a minute. I mean, within the Spider-Man universe, that we'll cover Venom. I suppose that's probably um, like that would be Spider-Man's big bad. I'm guessing, like, all of you to kind of cite who would, like his. I think Venom. Be, I don't know. I, I, I can't say for certain, but if I had to guess, and someone, I don't someone know. Is, is there any Spider-Man super fans? Let us know. I think Venom only came along in something like the mid '80s. I, oh, okay, I, so it's fairly new then. Through the course of his. You know the whole Spider-Man run. It would like be Doc Ock, Green Goblin, etc. But um, uh, didn't know that. And, and this Venom is the is classics, very, isn't it? It's uh... Ven- Venom is very much a fan favorite. Well, hence the only spin-off film is... we've had Spider-Man in total so far has been Venom. In terms of Spider-Man in himself, he's kind of like um, Thanos to the Avengers. As in, he's not like you know the the main arch nemesis. But he's like he's like the end boss. Do you, do you know what I mean? He's almost like I, I've always seen him a like, bit like like Venom and Carnage. That, yeah, that. less less comedic, but a bit like Bizarro to Superman. Mm. Because obviously the symbiote. This is the bit that doesn't work about Venom, but we'll come to it. Um, Venom bonds to Peter Parker first, so he takes aspects of his skill set like being able to climb and shoot webs and that then he goes and like sticks to some meathead bodybuilder which mm. Topher Grace most definitely is not and becomes like takes on what that guy's got so he's crueler and stronger than Spider-Man but he's still got like a bloodshot weird version of the webbing and could shoot webs because he's got that from having been with Spider-Man mm. Um, for a while, and, and, um, and knows everything about him as well. He's like, yeah, uh, and he can block his spider sense and things like that. So um, I'm not an expert on it. Carnage is like an offspring of his. Looking forward to, to learning more about the character. Yeah. Um, so yeah, across the whole history, no, he wasn't, but he's a total fan favorite, and I've seen a fair amount, although not for a few years, of the '90s cartoon and and the symbiote sort of saga was the best bit. And buy quite a bit. I was never as interested in any of the other villains, although Spider Man mm. does have a pretty good rogues gallery. Um, that cartoon had like quite a, like, you know, it had like lots of part, um, three like 12 classes, parts. Things like that. Yeah. yeah. There was like one with parts. like the mutation where he's like Spider Man started mutating and, he, and you had all kinds of other like episodes where he's bumped into other characters, like there's one with Blade even. Right, um, I can't. Uh, I can't have seen every episode because I don't think I've seen Blade. It's, um, it's on Disney Plus anyway, so you can always. Oh no, I've I've seen one or two just for the. I went back and had a look at the eighties one because I could remember that. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I didn't watch very much of any of I it think, to be honest. I think from memory, I think the for record, I think there's uh, the Blade one is when he uh, with uh, is it is it Mortius or the other one that with Jared Leto is going to be in I Morbius. Think it's, Morbius, I think it's one where. They do something like, or it's not something similar to that. Okay. Um. But yeah, there's the yeah. there's the episode with that. In when he, he... I mean, he, yeah, all his rogues galleries are, is good. I mean, Bat- Batman's is better, but not, there's not that much in it. Um. Uh, more of the Batman ones interest me to some degree, mm. but um, I mean, they're not going to run out anytime soon. Um. And it's not a strict hierarchy as well. There's one or two that stand out, but you, you could almost put them on in any order. Whereas there was a feeling when the original Batman films came out that they were just descending down the rogues gallery. 
start with the big one, then go to the next biggest one, and so on. Um, yeah. You know, by about film eight, we'd have been on the clock king or something. But um, yeah, there you go. Anyway, I'm talking like I know shit, Chris. Well, yeah, really, we know nothing, do we? We we don't know a thing. Um, this is the all I know is this is the sequel to 2002's Spider-Man. I'm I'm imagining that's impressing quite a few of our listeners that I know that. <laughs> I've never seen this film once. I I saw it in, in I saw it in a cinema, Chris. That's where they project it onto a wall. They call it a screen. Well, I never knew that. I, they call it a screen, though. They don't. Kind of inside knowledge. Project there. it into your eyeballs. No, I don't know why they don't just cut out the middleman. <laughs> um, and, and the thing is, you got to drive there. Put it down the stuff. toilet. Yeah, just put it down the toilet. Cut out the middleman. <laughs> you could do that with Spider-Man Three. Just flush that down the toilet. Cut out the middleman. Down the toilet. Do it again. Yeah. Anyway, so um, Becca, help. Yes, I had fun trying to find facts for this film. Oh my god. That's fun, folks. <laughs> yeah. Um, amazing. This film won an Oscar for best visual effects, which I find that quite hard to believe. But never mind. Um, it's sadly only nominated for a BAFTA that same year, but sadly didn't win. Um, but won the Saturn Award, um, which is a big sci-fi um, mm. and technical award as well for best director, and the Empire Award for best film of the year. And it was AFI's film of the year, 2005, which I think is amazing. Um, for fact number two, it's the third and last Sam Raimi film to be Oscar nominated after a Simple Plan and obviously Spider-Man. And it's the only one to win so far, I think. Which is the mind boggles. I think, a, I think a simple plan might be the only film of his I've not seen. I haven't seen the film since probably when I was at college. I haven't seen that. That's the only. So film I need to, yeah, I need to see that one again. Um, I, I think, remember it being pretty good. I think the gift yeah, of the film I've not seen once. I heard it was good. Yeah, I mean there was a few things last week we, we forgot to fill in some of the gaps because I said when the first one was announced I'd not heard of Tobey Maguire. He had of course made Pleasantville, but I didn't see Pleasantville. Oh gosh, I've not seen that for ages. Oh Pleasant, my God. I saw Pleasantville about five years after it came out, not at the time, but Pleasantville's a really good, good film. Yeah, I need to revisit that. Um, a lot of, um, if you're studying spread. sociology, that's a really good film to watch. Yeah. Um, so. What was what was the other thing I forgot? To, well, uh, well done last week that not none of us mentioned Nickelback. Oh, God, I think we managed to avoid that. Why would you? Oh, dear. Christ. Although I noticed, I don't know, well, it's probably just me, um, but like in lockdown, my local radio station had been playing that, you know, particular, there's a couple of songs from them a lot, and I don't just mean a lot. <laughs> it's like, right, yeah. it's, it's like finally, like, for some reason they couldn't do it, but now they're like, right, yes, we can Music play all the television songs. played that video all the time. It yeah, literally, largely, it was, it was popular. It was wasn't largely it so popular? them singing on. A, I think they were on a New York rooftop or something. Yeah. Set, yeah. And they were singing straight to camera. And it looked very cool. Intercut with the odd shot of the film. Yeah. Sort was, of like waving, wa- waving their hair and. and, and... Yeah. <laughs> but it was very much. I mean, they're obviously, they're a very, very big band, um, very popular. But also, I think they're very much like sort of flavour of the month, and they'd always kind of be associated like with that. London, they're in on the joke now. Do you know well, what? I think, <laughs> I think they, I think they kind of know they're in popular culture as shit. Yeah, so they kind of, they sort of play up to that and go, well, we, you know, we don't care, we have fun with it, and and they kind of they do it with like a knowing kind of glint in their eye, don't they? Really, so absolutely. Uh, let's have a look. Yeah, fun fact number three: Alfred Millions is apparently a big Marvel fan, obviously, and was very excited for his role. Um, and I was <laughs> so apparently, like the tentacles he has, I was. <laughs> try and avoid saying this but he gave them names so Larry, Harry, Float and Mo 
um, and the sound effects was achieved by using like piano, like scraping piano wires, and also sort of um, chains, moving chains across the floor. Um, for event number four, as we already mentioned, the film features other two villains from the comics: um, John Jameson, aka Man Wolf, and uh, Kirk Connors, aka the Lizard, who we see played by Reese Fonts in the next few films coming up. Um, and then apparently there's another. I never realised this in all of these films that I've seen. Um, and I think about one hour ten, one hour fifteen, twenty in there somewhere. Um, Sam Raimi's car, seventy three automobile, um, is in Art Maze driveway, and that's apparently like one of his trademarks. He always puts his cars into his films. Which it I is in every before. film. I never noticed it. <laughs> no, I never noticed it before. I mean, I'm not like I'm not a big car person as we know. Um, as you know from our Bond reviews, you know we don't know much about cars. It's a grey one. It's a white one. It's a Lotus. That's it. <laughs> And that's it. That's all I have this week. All right, folks. Um, as we're running a bit long, so as for social media, you can find me at the Pastor Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. Hey, you can find all uh, on Twitter at Cinematronics. You can also find all the old episodes at Cinematronics UK if they're not on iTunes. That is, but yeah, you can find them there. You can follow us on Twitter at Expect Us to Talk, and you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate us, review us, to like us, and share us. Thank you. Romance us, love us. Yes, romance us, enchant us, and all the rest of it. There's a song there somewhere. There is, but uh, my love of Tobey Maguire is about to kick into another gear as he gets a truly award-winning performance, which means Becca. Spider sense. I think we mean stinky sense. Do you expect to talk or return with Spider-Man three?